What's up? It's B-Sticks. Back again. Baby. Back in the saddle again. I'm back. With stirrups and all. Gotta love Aerosmith. Got to love the Aerosmith. I do. An amazing group. Loving an elevator. So what the fuck? I love that. Oh yeah, so good. So good. Oh, what do you think, man? What do you think? It's it's been something of a very uh, unproductive week, at least uh, at least the outside business goes, I guess. Hey, sometimes life's got to be that way. Yeah. Like I said, I know I called hooky yesterday at work. I just wasn't. The week was too long. And Wednesday made it seem like it was forever till it was over. Today went by really fast, so it worked, I guess. I really hope my medical shit is getting under control. I'm I'm feeling better. My head cold is is, uh, towards the end. I'm coughing stuff up, and uh, at least for right now, I don't have that uh, pressure headache. Right. I've been taking, been taking the pills, which are good. Um, the other side of me seems to be getting better also. Just, uh, God, just, it just, I don't know, this week kind of sapped the life out of me, especially the last couple days. It's just sapped the life out of me, and then there's been a, a big event in my son's life going on, so that's been going on there, and that's a, a huge deal. And, uh... It's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's run me out. I'm just, I'm, I'm pooped. I'm wore out. I have no energy. So I'm, I'm running on my reserves and I'm going to give beef sticks my full energy. And then I'm going to just crash. I'm just going to plow. I'm just going <laughs> to. Boom. But that's okay. Yeah. No, I know how that goes. I, I know we're going to get off here and I'm going to watch South Park and then. I'm pretty much dead to the world as well. Yeah, my plan was to put on Gar- the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie after this and watch that before I go to bed, but I don't think I'll be awake for two hours, so I don't know that I'll do that. I haven't watched either Guardian of the Galaxy movies, and I got them both, so I want to watch them. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I barely have... I watched, uh, I watched No Mercy... I watched it, uh, I didn't watch it live. I fell asleep during the pre-show of No Mercy. Because <laughs> I've, just, I've just been dead. I've just been dead. I fell asleep during the pre-show. I watched it the next day. Uh, Raw, I fell asleep watching Raw within the first hour. And SmackDown, I didn't even try to watch. NXT, I didn't try to watch. I've, I've been a bad beef stick, I'll tell you that. I've been a not very good <laughs> beef stick. I didn't watch No Mercy Live either. I decided I would rather play Ark with my brother. And it was worth it. There you go. I watched I watched uh, No Mercy on Monday and Raw on Tuesday and SmackDown on Wednesday. And I even watched most of 205 Live. I gotta say, Enzo's doing that much for the brand. Yeah, he's not doing much. He's not doing much for the um, network views. But apparently um, the YouTube views, at least of segments, are going up. So I don't know if that's good or not, because that means people are just going on YouTube just to catch the Enzo stuff, and it's really not helping 205 Live as an actual brand, you know. But 
Another thing that could help uh, 205 Live here very soon is I guess Alistair Black weighs in at 205 and a half pounds. So when Alistair Black goes up, he could go to the cruiserweight division, and I think that would help them. You know what? I, I mean, he'll he'll be another Neville. If they and that's are, kind of the problem. He'll get the title, and then nobody will be able to contend for it. Yeah, if they're willing to actually try to make this work, I would love to see them keep it going. But at this point, I think you just need to euthanize it. I think you just need to take it out back, put a bullet in it, and spread the wrestlers out amongst NXT, SmackDown, Raw. Yeah, you got to give it a year, at least. You know, anything WWE needs a year to actually gain traction. Well, that's what I'm saying. I I don't know. I think... If you could convince guys like Dolph Ziggler to go down to 205 Live, get some really good main roster people who are just on that borderline weight. Finn Balor could be at 205 Live. You know yeah, what I mean? Finn Balor could. He'd probably about, have better stories than he does on Raw. I don't know about Ziggler. It'd take, Ziggler would be rough, but... Uh, yeah, Finn he wouldn't Balor like it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it'd be rough for him to get down to 205, I'm Sammy sure. Zayn? Uh, Sami Zayn, probably, maybe. You know, get some of those people down there. Take them away from the people and stop putting your 205 guy, live guys on Raw. Don't well, do I still, it. I still don't think the only place they can see them is 205 Live. I don't think that's what moved, they need to do. They haven't moved Sincaria yet, have they? I don't think so. They don't do anything with him on the main roster, but they haven't moved him uh, or Kalisto. I meant Kalisto, and I mean, not Sincar. What about Adam Cole? Kalisto. Would Adam Cole fall in the weight division? I hope not. God, that'd be such a waste <laughs> of Cole's talents. Well, it, it doesn't have to be. You just got to make something of it. And like I said, take him off Raw. Don't let people watch your cruiserweight division on anything but 205 Live. And give them their own fucking pay-per-views. Give it the Saturday before like you do to NXT. Yeah. But NXT only does four times a year. So you got all those other times a year that there's no competition. Right. I agree. You have so, to make it seem like an actual brand. And they haven't so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So far, they, they really haven't. Um, James Ellsworth could go to 205 Live. And he could probably win the championship. He, you know what? He, he could go to 205 Live and at least it'd get people talking. They need to, um, I think, I agree with you, keep matches off of Raw, but I think it'd be okay to show highlights of things here and there to promote it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, But, I I, like I said, if they're willing to put the time and effort into it, I would love to see them try to grow it. But if they're honestly just going to keep doing what they're doing now, I don't even have any need for it. Yeah, give it a year, I agree with you. Don't pull the plug now. You've invested this much into it. But it's, you know, unless you're really going to try to change. And they are doing something different. They're trying with Enzo. That's something. Yeah. Whether we like it or yep. not, they are trying something different. It seems like they're trying. Yeah, it's just, to like, just like Enzo said in his promo on Raw, you know. You know where we're at right now? This is the third hour of Raw. You haven't even seen a time slot like this since 205 Live came around. Which is true. You know? It is true. I think it was Enzo, odd that I mean, they gave them the main event because <laughs> it was right. very lackluster of a Raw main event. To have well, Enzo after after Raw went off the air, the whole cruiserweight division came down and beat Enzo up. After Braun Strowman comes out and Strowman slams him. See, that's I, I was thinking that when I first seen everybody come out. I thought, you know, if they all just beat him up, 
then that whole um, no contact clause doesn't mean anything because then there'd be nobody to wrestle right. him anyways. So as long as they're all in, then Kurt's going to have to be like, well, I can't have you wrestle nobody, so you know what? Fuck it. Right. No, my biggest worry is now that everybody did beat him up, they'll just ride with it, and he won't have anybody to fight him at all, and then eventually they'll have to strip him of it, storyline-wise. I hope not. But they they did. Everybody jumped him after the cameras went off air. So technically, canon-wise, never happened. <laughs> well, unless it was on 205 Live, but... Then again, the old, you know, the old adage, if it didn't happen on Raw, it, it wasn't though, because 205 Live, <laughs> 205 Live is after SmackDown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but if it's on 205 Live, I don't know. Did they air that it on wasn't. 205 Live or no? Oh, yeah, yeah, they did. They said, well, this is what happened after the cameras <laughs> went what, up. That's, that's what, right. That's I point. forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. But, you know, the old, like I said, the old adage always was, if it didn't happen on Raw, it didn't happen. In other words, they never yeah. mentioned anything that happened outside of Raw anyways. <laughs> so. And that even included who SmackDown. Who could you pull from the past that could be in the cruiserweight division? That Well, there's a thousand you know. and one guys. They had Tajiri. They let him go. He's always good. You got... um. I don't, well, I don't know what Elix Skipper is doing nowadays, but you got Elix Skipper... You know, you got a thousand and one guys on the indies right now. A Marty Skrull would be how able to sweet, go there. How sweet would it be if Chris Jericho, Jericho came back, cut a bunch of weight, and goes back to the cruiserweight division? He could. Now, there's how you would sell your show. Chris Jericho. See, that's could. what you need. Bring back some iconic, like. You could have. What about uh, Chavo Guerrero? Could bring back Loki. He's not the best Guerrero, but they could do it. They could. You could bring back Low-Key. I know they didn't do anything with him before, but they have the name Caval, so they could do something with that if they wanted to. You know, uh, Paul London. They got the Brian Kendrick. Bring back Paul London. There you go. Them two were And I, I do. I believe that the Cruiserweight, if they're going to have their own show, they should have a tag team, They need too. a tag title. Yep. I would agree. And maybe some women. Maybe some women. Not uh, Alicia Fox. Like, 90% of the women are under the 205 anyway, so I guess that's pointless. Really. If anything, you'd want to have, like, a like a, a super heavyweight division for women, where only a handful of them are in that, you know what I mean? That would be, right. I mean, that would be for what the 205 is for the men, the super heavyweight would be for the women. It's the, it's the select few. I just, I don't think so. I think they're finally getting a good roster of women. Let's just, let's keep that. They already got them split. How about Ray Ray? Ray Mysterio could come back and go there. He, I, he could. I don't know that it would happen, but Raw would really, WWE would really have to make it worth his time. But, you know, we don't know what's going on with Lucha Underground. But even without Lucha Underground, he makes a killing down in AAA. And he works his schedule that he wants. And we all know. Johnny Johnny Gargano. That they kind Johnny of, Gargano could go to cruiserweight division. Mr. Wrestling could. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Wrestling. Um, WWE burnt a bridge with Ray, which is why I don't think Ray would ever come back. Remember, they they held on to him without paying him yeah. for over a year because he was injured and yeah. they claimed he had to meet enough dates. And so they literally just held him and didn't use him and and it was you know that really pissed him off it was very similar to the daniel bryan thing um except they they had they're letting daniel bryan do his dates now 
this isn't this isn't related to that, but there's been rumor and speculation about WWE could try something like that with Daniel Bryan, depending on how his contract is worded. He might have wrestling dates that he still hasn't fulfilled. And if he wanted to leave, they could maybe hold him. You know, he's been very vocal about leaving. It, there's been talk that it's possible. Uh, I don't know that anybody knows what his contract says, so that might not be true. But we know they've done it in the past. Yeah. No, I say just just go all out with this thing. If you want it to work, make you know make make a spectacle out of it. Make Look, it its own entity. Put your best get some small legends guys on there. Yeah, yeah. And, and more titles. You could have the cruiserweight, the European, and a tag title set. Boom. I don't know about that. I don't know that it needs a secondary title. NXT got the United Kingdom title, and it hasn't done anything for either NXT or the United <laughs> Kingdom title. It's hard to have a secondary title on a one-hour show. You know what I mean? Right, right. You could almost say the UK title caused the Brexit. You could say that. You could, but the Brexit happened before the UK championship. But maybe even rumors of it caused it. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, I know, it's depressing trying to think about how to make 205 Live better. How about you put some real announcers on there? Well, I like Nigel McGuinness. Is he still announcing over there or no? I don't think so. Hang on. I know Nigel. I love Nigel McGuinness as an announcer. I wish he could wrestle again. Isn't he, he's on NXT. Yeah. I would say Morrow would be a good one. Morrow would very much be good. Morrow and Nigel are great. Um, yeah. They, them two did the UK tournament together. And they were they were awesome together. Awesome. It's Vic Joseph and Byron Saxton. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah right? That could definitely use I mean, if you're gonna have action in the ring, well that that actually brings up another point too. They don't really They don't really do enough cruiserweight stuff you know it's the cruiserweight division and i'm a, i'm a big proponent <laughs> that it doesn't have to be all flashy flippy shit but they but should, should have be specialties more. you know um in wcw and in ecw you had cruiserweights that did all the flashy flippy shit but then you had the dean malenko's and the chris benoit's and the chris jericho's that would go out there and wrestle amazing wrestling matches right. and have chain wrestling yeah. and and uh catch us catch can and it was entertaining Right now, they got a lot of matches that are just the exact same thing you see on Raw, SmackDown, but they just happen to be with smaller guys. And maybe their finishing move is, is something big, but when you think about all the different finishing moves they have on the main brand right now anyways, that doesn't even make a big deal. So they, they, right. need, to, they need to differentiate themselves. They need to be different. Try. Try. Yeah, trying goes a long way. Try. Because to be completely honest, it feels like Vince was like, hey, here's 205 Live. Please don't watch this show. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they Give finally... Give them their own night. They finally stopped doing the uh, 
the uh, blue or the purple ropes on Raw. I'm glad they quit yeah. doing that because that really again differentiated it. It's like as soon as the purple ropes came up, it told everybody in the audience to go get your bathroom break, go buy your beer and nachos, and it told everybody on TV you're watching something different. You're not watching, but but not in a good different. I mean, it was almost like this is just something right. else. Don't worry about it. It's not going to affect any storylines you're watching now. Go do what you got to do. Um, and, and come back for the rest of the real show. We could, uh, fuck, we could do a two-hour show on just trying to, to improve 205 Live and shit like that. I almost maybe, think we should. We should just what we stick do. that in our back pocket and save it for the next time you don't watch wrestling. Right? Maybe that's what we do. We, we have a whole fucking 205 Live. The brand we, we never had. There you go. It does seem like an awful lot of the May Young Classic wrestlers are wrestling on NXT now. Which is good. Yeah. Um, it's still impressive. Coming from um, the WWE that I grew up with and you grew up with, it's impressive to so, mm-hmm. see so many of these people. And I know it's just NXT, but it's so impressive to see so many of these wrestlers on NXT who aren't contracted to WWE. Right. It's amazing. It's a new day. Yes, it is. It is a new day. Yes, it is. But it's good. It's very positive. It gets exposure to them. It lets WWE try people out before they invest in a contract and invest time and and effort. And, um, you know, I think it's a positive for, for both. I think it's a positive. Actually, I think it's positive for all three. For the talent for the company, and for the fans, honestly. Mm. Yeah, no, and I definitely think if you move 205 to its own night, that would help it a lot, too. I mean, I know they, they, they're like, oh, it won't sell tickets. You won't get fans in the seats. Pick smaller arenas. Yeah, because fans, you see it on Raw, but fans, by that third hour, are just out of it. They've already watched a full yeah. SmackDown they watched the dark match. They've seen the main event. Um, and a lot of them are casual WWE fans, and they don't know the people in 205 Live. And so you, A, you lose out on some of them. So I'd say about 25% of the people leave the arena on average before 205 Live starts. And even then, you got people who aren't invested in the characters and maybe aren't even into that style of wrestling so you don't right. get the reaction that you would get from like a full sale university where they're looking for that kind of stuff. That's that is that demographic. Yeah. And I mean, it would work if you gave them their own night. That's one less house show the main roster has to do one more day they can spend with their family. Yeah, I don't know what full sales schedule looks like and, and how busy they are, but I'd I'd even say it'd be OK to book them on a on, in full sale university just on a different day. Right. You know, I think you should make your you should make the cruiserweight division work a little bit harder touring wise than NXT because NXT still is the come up show. Two hundred five live should be one of three destinations, and therefore they should they should be on the road a little bit more. I could see that argument. I could see the argument going both ways, but I could see that argument that it should be. Man, but that again, that's going to take years of work. I don't think there's anybody. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody in NXT right now 
or even in the next couple of years that are going to be saying, God, I hope I make it to 205 Live, man. <laughs> you know, that would take years of work to get that as a, as a destination. Yeah. It seems like more of a, a lateral move, if you ask me. We don't have nothing for you on NXT, but we, we can throw you over to 205 Live before we bring you up to the main roster. Just try to give you something different. I just think you, you, especially as a company, they would have to be strict with it. And if you don't weigh more than 205 pounds, you have to go to 205 Live. That's where you go. Again, though, man. Give them world-class talent. Then you're, but. World-class talent. That's what they need to, to do anything. That would have to be, again, years in the future because you don't want to take somebody like a Daniel Bryan and say you can never be WWE champ because of your weight. I mean, this isn't MMA. Why don't you this take Daniel Bryan boxing. and tell him, hey, the only way you're going to wrestle in WWE again is if you take your ass over to 205 Live and do it. And then give him a belt worth fighting over. But that, but that Cruiserweight takes title. That takes United Kingdom title. There's a huge difference right there. Huge difference. It should be a title that's hard for these tiny guys to carry. That's what it should be. It should be a burden you have to carry. It should be, but again, it takes investment. WWE has to invest for that for us to look at it like that. For the wrestlers to look at it like that. They have to put that investment into it. I would love. Well, I would then love believe to see in it. your product enough to put that money into it. I mean, you already got it to a place right now where your I would say is not going to go anywhere. If I was like, oh shit, this Beef Sticks podcast is a pile of shit and we're never going to do anything with it. And that was my mentality. The show would be worse. Correct. But they're already at a place now where they got, where in my opinion, the U.S. championship is above the WWE championship. So we're already at right. a point where there's more prestige in the U.S. championship than the WWE championship. They... I don't know that they know how to invest into making something seem important. Um, they have, I think they have with the universal title and a lot of people will argue with me. And I know you don't like the fact that, that it's barely seen on TV, but yeah, I, I, I think I really wanted Braun to win it. That way we'd have a Brock Lesnar holding the title, but he fights every night because he's got anger issues and has to fight every night. <laughs> but I wouldn't mind seeing, I mean, I would love, I would love there to be, a clause in the contract and you couldn't because it'd be too predictable, but I would love there to be a clause in the contract saying that the heavyweight title, whether it's universal WWE, let's say you're building tool five into a real thing. Cruiserweight title. They can only be defended on pay-per-views or special shows. Like they're too important to be on raw or SmackDown. You can come in there and you can do non-title matches. You can come in there and you can cut promos, but I'd, I'd love it to be in there. Nope. Cannot be on regular TV. Cannot be at a house show. This is main shit. Yes. It has to be main shit. It's it's important. But I, I think I'm that'd in be the cool because then you'd have a lot more. You would definitely have a lot more um, build up to pay per views with multiple people vying for that number one contendership. Right, and that's where you improve the IC title and the US title, where those are the guys that are fighting for it. Right, but. I, I know it takes away. I know one of WWE's big things is you have to tune in because anything can happen. So right there, you lose that, at least the the, the title part of it. And I know Vince will never do that because he's, he's big on you have to tune in because anything can happen. 
Same with the house shows. Right. You have to go to the house shows because anything can happen. An IC title can change hands at a house show. You never know. So You have to watch 205 Live because anything can happen. Why don't we got that? Why don't we? Why don't we indeed? Holy shit, we've talked a good 25 minutes about 205 Live. Yeah, we could easily make a show out of this. Yeah. But before we do that, let's move on. Let's uh let's let's <laughs> let's talk about No Mercy and get No Mercy out of the way because I really 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 want to get time to talk about Rick and Morty cuz we haven't the last couple episodes. We had our 25th special yes. and we had our half anniversary and we were just overblown. And uh the fact that we weren't really into wrestling this week. Let's fucking uh let's let's get through this No Mercy cuz I do want to talk about No Mercy. Um, and then I'd love to get into Rick and Morty. I would love to get into Rick and Morty. Uh, before we start talking about No Mercy, though, don't you think maybe we should take a trip to the good old refrigerator? Refrigerator, why do I love you so? Refrigerator. Because you hold my food in my beer, so, so you're, you're my heart and soul. Beach. Refrigerator. Refrigerator. Refrigerator holds my lunch meat and yeah. my liquor and my punch and cheese and get stuff cold quicker. Thing doesn't do is give me a blowjob. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to make an actual trip to the refrigerator because my beer's almost gone and getting warm. I'll be back in a second. Go for it. So No Mercy was this Sunday. Um, on paper, it looked like it was a... It looked like it, it could have been half of a WrestleMania. Uh, you had... Cena versus Reigns. You had Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar for the title. You had uh, the tag team um, title of, of two-thirds of the Shield versus the Bar, which has been very big. Uh, so, I mean, and you had the, the, the Demon Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt, two guys that, um, again, on paper should be bigger than they are in real life. But, I mean, it, 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 it looked like it could have been and part of a part of a WrestleMania card. So, um, yeah. And I think it kind of, I think it kind of fell to the trap that WWE tends to have. And that's that, uh, it hyped itself up to where it couldn't, it couldn't reach its own hype. Um, that being said, the show as a whole, I'm going to give it a, a B plus grade. Um, I, I don't know what I would grade all the matches, so I'm just spitballing right here. But I'd say a B plus grade. I thought, uh, especially the night I watched it, I, I left it um, happy. Um, upon rewatching it, the ending is kind of deflated, and I know a lot of the people live in, in the house were were kind of deflated with the last hour, the last uh, three matches, and that's understandable, I guess. Um, but I don't know, I. I consider it that they've had some really bad pay-per-views and they've had some pretty damn good ones. Uh, surprisingly, Great Balls of Fire was one of the best pay-per-views this year. 
And nobody yes, thought, you it know, was. we were laughing about that the whole fucking months leading up to it. We should have known. If it has a flaming cock and balls as the logo, it's going to be good. We should have known. So with that being said, they had a, a kickoff show that, again, wasn't announced. <clears throat> they just throw it together at the last minute. They're backstage, and they see two people, and they're like, hey, you want to wrestle for a little bit? <laughs> I'm pretty sure, actually, I know for a fact, I was laying down before this, and I think I fell asleep right after the Elias song. Uh, no longer Elias Sampson. He's another victim of, of Vince McMahon murdering yeah. names. Everybody Which loses is terrible. their name. It, it is terrible. Elias does not sound nearly as good as Elias I, Sampson. I prefer they the should have just went with Sampson. Yeah, yeah, I prefer yeah. the Drifter Sampson. But, uh... Um, so they I'm had, gonna yeah. call Samson, <laughs> right? That, that would be that would be the best fucking intro music for him. I'm Samson, <laughs> from half baked. Mm. Samson, <laughs> oh, I would love it. Or just that, just his little Samson right away when he, where where Seth Rollins says, "Burn it down," Elias says, "It will be Samson." <laughs> Samson, um. <laughs> Now I have to watch that movie again. It's my favorite stoner movie of all time. You know, for some reason, uh, my son and I were talking about it, Phantom and I. Not sure why. But you know, uh, not Vince, um, Dave Chappelle does not like that movie. He thinks it's horrible. And And it's not the movie that he wanted. And I always sit and wonder, I'm like, you know, I wonder if we got the movie he wanted if nobody would have liked it and it would have bombed. Right, right. Because everybody I know loves that movie. Like, the way it turned out, it's we so all thoroughly enjoy it. And he can't oh, yeah. stand it. He thinks it's horrible. So it just makes me think, like, I wonder if the movie he wanted would have been not popular. Not saying bad, right? but not, not commercially popular. <laughs> That's got to be in my top probably three all-time most quotable movies. It's that, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And um, anger management. Butter nuts. It's buttercup. Buttercup stuff. As <laughs> butter stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's no more good. window love. That's a good. It is a good movie. Oh, it's so so good. Um, Samson. So we so we had the drifter Elias take as we drift a, away Apollo that <laughs> Apollo Cruz. In a match overshadowed by a 1997 stoner movie. <laughs> um, not, I, I didn't watch it. I can't, I can't tell you if it was good or not. Um, they did have Titus O'Neil back in it, so they haven't given up on the Titus brand thing. I would love for them to do something with the Titus brand. Just the, the same way Miz has done something with some of these mid-carters. Yeah. Just something to give the mid-carters to do. Titus brand, this, that, or something. <laughs> The Miztourage versus The Shield. It'll which, be good. Which I talked about last week. Yes, you did. Um, before I knew they were going to do anything about that, I was just like, well, you know, you got the three of them. Um, I'm also fairly certain, didn't we bring up something about the odds of uh, New Day and Usos being in a Hell in a Cell? I swear to God, we did. We very well could have. Um. There was a lot put into last week, and I was really out of it. I ain't even going to lie. I was really fucking out of it. <laughs> um, I'm glad you're more back to normal. I'm, yeah. 
So I don't know. Did, did you did you watch this match or not? No. So we're we're gonna say forgettable match. Um, I I didn't I didn't hear or see anything amazing about it, so forget that. Um, then we had I believe the Intercontinental Championship match next. I think that opened the show. Yes, it did. Um, and hey, at least WWE didn't put any of their main fucking titles on the pre-show this time. I know. It's Good job, guys. Because they've been doing that. And that's another <laughs> way of not making your titles feel important. Right. Because um, The Miz was on the pre-show for uh, for SummerSlam. Shitty. Uh, Miz. And now he's opening the show on No Mercy. <laughs> well, it's okay. Uh, the Curtain Jerker, though, is is a good position to be in because... Um, you know Set you're the not pace. the main event, but yeah, yeah, you know that they're putting somebody on there that they have confidence in that's going to get people into it right away. So the curtain jerk position isn't necessarily a bad position as long as you're not the initial curtain jerker, such as, you know, Samson and, and, and Apollo. Right. Miz versus Jason Jordan. He was defending, uh, the Miz was defending his Intercontinental Championship. You know what? I should bring up our... Um, I should bring up our stuff, our stats. Our predictions. Go ahead, and, go ahead and, and tell us your thoughts about that as I bring up our stats. You know, I thought this match was a good way to kick off the show. Uh, I don't think Jason Jordan needs to be in the title picture in any case yet. Um, but he didn't win it, so that doesn't really matter so much. It was what you expected from a Miz Taraj match. I mean, Miz did not win the match by himself. I did like but dare it. I say, it wasn't the Miztourage that pushed him, but his unborn baby. <laughs> I liked the uh, I liked the ending of it, and you know, um, I guess uh, Booker, you know, like Booker said, Jordan attacked the Miztourage first. They never did a- attack him until after Jordan attacked them twice. It's a rookie he, um, mistake, bro. Yeah, he did a dive over the top rope and attacked the two of them. And then mm-hmm. when, um, I believe it was Axel was up on the ropes, um, Jordan attacked him while he was just up on the ropes hanging out like a gargoyle. <laughs> and knocked him down, which is what distracted the referee. And then after the Mistrash had been attacked twice now was when uh, Bo Dallas finally uh, hit him. And then, uh, and then, and then he got the then then Miz got the skull crushing finale. So I kind of liked the ending. It was heel, it was heel, but it was a good heel ending. I thought. Um, yeah. I did. I said I had picked Jordan, and you had picked Miz, but I had said also I don't think Jordan was ready for it yet. So I'm glad they didn't make the move. Right. Um, and and I honestly think I think Jordan would be more over right now if they hadn't put him with that Kurt Angle gimmick. And the problem is, is they made it public news that Miz is getting really close to breaking records. Right. So we know he's not going to lose it so until after he's, he's done that. Yeah, he's going to hold on to it. And that's my that big record. thing, too, is every time they break one record, started with Asuka's undefeated streak, and then now Miz, and the New Day are going to be multiple-time tag team champions. And, like, don't do it all at once. Yeah, put these things years apart. Yeah, yeah. And, like, don't pay attention to it until, like, they're weeks from breaking that record. Right. 
I, I agree. We I don't agree. need to hear about it halfway through. <clears throat> it, it cheapens it so much because we know exactly what you're going to do. Well, yeah, what, Charlotte has had five or six, and they, they already say Charlotte's working her way to surpassing her dad's 16 championships. She has six. We all know she's going right. to surpass Ric Flair's championship run or at least tie it. But, yeah, she's at six. Why would you say that already, you know? Right. They didn't start counting Undertaker's streak till at least seven years in. Yeah, it was yeah, more long, than that. Even it was a long way in, you know, because they they had they didn't even notice it. Nobody had even really right. paid attention to it. And those are the kind of records you need to be breaking. People aren't paying attention. Yeah. So um, yeah, I thought this was a solid match. I am, like I said, I picked Jordan, so I lost this one. But I I'm glad that they didn't give it to Jordan yet. I don't think he's ready for it. Uh, and then the <clears throat> he had a promo afterwards also, which just proved how not ready for it he was because he was like, you know, the crowd out here ironically chants, you suck at my dad, Kurt Angle, but Miz, you really do suck. And it just harkened back to fucking Roman Reigns. So I was like, oh my God, it's just, that's horrible. Jordan, shut the fuck up and just walk away. It was awful. Right. It was awful, um, but it told the match itself told a good story. <clears throat> Jordan, I love his uh, his rolling Northern Light suplexes. I just love that. It's just gorgeous. Um, the Miz was. I, I, I do. I do look forward to seeing him throw down with Lesnar. I'll yeah. say that much now. Yeah, that'll be amusing. So I, I give. I don't know. I give the match probably about a B minus ish. I don't know. Yeah. A B, maybe a solid yeah, B. Yeah, a B minus or a C plus. It, it could have been better, but to start the show, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to take over the pay per view to start the show. Right. Uh, then we had a uh, man versus man because we never get that match, so it was literally billed as man versus man. Man versus man. Man versus car. <laughs> that would have been that would have been better. <laughs> Finn Bray Ballard. Wyatt's got to be in the car though. Yeah, Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. Um, in a feud that um, I wish would end, but from what I've read online, it sounds like they've continued it. It's yet? just beginning. Yeah. God, that's yeah. stupid. This was a perfect ending for it too. Uh, this was a perfect ending for it. Go, let us. Know I was thoughts, very Casey. unhappy. I was very unhappy with the ending, like excessively. You know, the whole match, Bray Wyatt is in the advantageous position. Uh, Finn Balor had injured his ribs, and the referees escorted him all the way to the top of the ramp. Yeah, you know what? And then I he think, came back. Not meaning to interrupt you, but I think that really hurt the flow of the match. I think that that beginning yeah. kind of threw it. From there, it was downhill. Yeah. Finn Balor shouldn't have only came back because Bray was taunting him. Finn Balor should have wanted to stay down there and fight because he's Finn Balor. Well, to be fair, I think Finn Balor is related to Marty McFly. <laughs> what are you, chicken? <laughs> right. Nobody calls me chicken. McFly does sound a... Irish. It makes sense. It makes he is, sense. He is Irish. Remember when they go back in, in into the Wild West? He is oh. Irish. <laughs> I hate that movie. I just kind of try to forget about that I, one. I don't blame you. I agree. I don't think it was a very face thing to do to just walk off like a bitch. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was weak, and we knew it wasn't like a legit injury. You could tell right away it wasn't a legit injury. Yeah. It was it was pretty pathetic. And then and then for him to come back and like get his ass kicked by Bray most of the time. I mean, he did do some cool stuff. He could have did even cooler stuff. I know we were talking about this earlier in the week when Bray did the bridge. When Bray did the bridge, and 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 Finn Balor just stood there in the on top of the corner post, like, why don't you jump on him? Right, coup de grace. He's bridged right now. <laughs> you could kill the motherfucker. <laughs> it would have been an awesome jump sight on to him. See. It would have been awesome. Sight it would have see. It would have. They better just be saving that for Mania, because now I have to see it. Or or I can just do it at home with my children. Right. Do you want me to do that, WWE? Let me see it, or I'm going to do it. <laughs> I do think also that they've, um, they've been throwing that, um, they've been throwing that, that spider walk or crab walk or whatever. They throw it around so much that it's like, like how, how is it, uh, how is it still like petrifying uh, Bray Wyatt? Right. Or, how does it Ballard? startle anybody? Yeah, how is that still like shocking them and, and freezing him? Number one, he's already beat this guy and gone through this shit. It's yeah, they got to come up with something new and fresh. New and fresh. You mean like WrestleMania versus Orton? How they tried to fix that up that, with that, the projectors? I get, hey, I give them credit for trying. It, it ended up looking horrible, um, but they tried it was something. A, yeah, they tried something. That's 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 what I can say. They tried something. I don't have much to say on this that you haven't already said. I was hoping you were going to bring that up because that was a big point of mine with the damn uh, Finn Balor just should have coup de grad him. Um, him coup de grading him to the back of the head though was pretty sick. That was a good finish. Even though I really badly wanted Bray to move and get the win, I expected Bray to win was. this one. Yeah, we both picked Bray for this one. Um, mm-hmm. He and, needed uh, it. And that's why he lost. Yeah. Eater of pins, man. I, and we, we even said, you said that. You said that. I was like, every time we think he's going to get one is when they fucking screw him. Um, Honestly, I think Ray losing gets him over either way. You know, it is kind of his job as the bad guy to put over the good guy. He doesn't is. get enough. But I'm okay with where we're at. He still puts on amazing matches. This This would have been better though as the ending of their feud you had this was the the rubber match this was their third match you had a match where it was man versus man then you had a match where finn balor brought in the demon and then you had it man versus man so to me the only thing they do now is they both come in and paint (laughs) like that to me like what's your next step what is your next step yeah bray could just anoint himself with the ashes again yes yeah and just walk in there all I mean, obviously, like, I hope, I hope, if they're continuing this, I hope it goes to some really good gimmick match. Maybe he brings Honestly, back I feel Warriors. like the feud should explode right now to the point where they need to go to SmackDown and fight in Hell in a Cell. That's where it needs to go. I can see them to hold this match off for WrestleMania, which is what they're going to do. But if they could do that, where in two weeks when Hell in a Cell happens, they, they chuck them into it. I want to see Bray and Balor in a Hell in a Cell. I can't see them holding this through WrestleMania, and I think nobody's going to give a shit by then if they do. I know I won't. I do not want to see this drug out till Mania, because I'm done with it now. No, no, because no, you don't keep the storyline going. Like, let's say 
Balor snaps and, and jumps Bray backstage, injures him. Bray's gone for a while, but he comes back stronger than ever. That kind of thing. Do that. With Luke Harper. No. No. Luke Harper needs to shave his hair and beard and come back as a normal guy. They could even pretend it's not Luke Harper. It's Doc Gallo's brother, Luke Gallo. Right. Or wait, no, it's Luke Gallo's His name brother. is Harper Lucas. <laughs> Doc Gallo's. <laughs> Harper Gallo's. I don't know. I, I, I didn't care for this. I've had a lot of people say this was their best match so far, and I I don't think it was. And I, I just think maybe it's just because that beginning killed it for me, but uh, I was disappointed it was, in it. It was. A, I thought it was a good match. I don't think it was their best match. I think their best match is still yet to come. But like I said, you, you, like I said last week, you don't really even have to push this rivalry because this is just because of their characters. This is going to be something that lasts through time. I, I hope, years. I hope they do something right. They now. have to clash. They have to. Um, I give it a. I give it a C grade. I would guess. Nothing more. Yeah. I can be there with you. I don't have to be too giving. I'll call it a C. And for the record, Finn Balor won, guys. And we both lost. Yep. Yep. So now I've lost everything. Well, we both picked Samson to win the, the pre-show, but that wasn't, uh, you know, that was nobody right. gives a shit. <laughs> right. Well, you, you knew Samson was going to win. Yeah. Was so then, there a question? Then we had uh, Shia versus The Bar. Which I still prefer. Dumbar. I still prefer Dublin 07, but I'm... You know what I just finally figured out? I just finally figured out when they do this, it's them holding up the bar. Yeah. I didn't fucking know that. I always yep. thought they were, like, pointing guns. Because, you know, <laughs> Cesaro, Cesaro came in as, like, the hitman guy, you know, like, James Bond. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, like, they wore skirts because that was Seamus' thing, and then they did the guns because that was Cesaro's thing. No, that's them holding up the bar. I didn't fucking know that. I didn't realize it till I seen him do it like side by side, and then I seen the shirt that said the bar, and it kind of lined up right. with the bar, and I was like, "Oh, wait a second, they're holding up the bar," which <laughs> I don't know if that's cool or dumb, but it it blew my mind. <laughs> I was right. excited I noticed it. <laughs> to me, this was my match of the night. <clears throat> this was prop. This was the match of the night. Really fucking good, really hard fought, and of course everybody loves the point where where Cesaro is slingshotted, goes too far, and cracks his mouth on that corner post. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, let it be known he didn't break his teeth; he shoved them four millimeters up into his skull. Apparently, three. Of them I would rather break like... my teeth. Yeah, yeah, it was I would three. rather it was three. Break them out than to have them jabbed up in. Yeah, that's got to be horrible. And I think what's worse than having him jabbed up in is when that doctor comes to try to pull him back oh, down. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, you want to be back there when the dentist pulls them fuckers down. But God bless Cesaro. He played it off like it was no big deal and kept the match going. And he took the hardest bumps in the entire match yeah, to well, his kept, face. And he kept smiling. <laughs> he kept smiling and just right, letting yeah. the blood run. You just love it. You could see, if you watch closely, you could see him be pissed off about it in quite a few different occasions. Like, he looked physically crabby oh, yeah. and upset that this happened. When but he still happened. sold the shit out of it. 
When it first yeah. happened, you could tell it wasn't it, something was not right because just for like a second and a half, he had this look on his face like fuck, and then he went with it. But <laughs> yep, in my book, this would win the Slammy for most hardcore moment of the year. Uh, very well. Uh, you know they would they would give it to uh, Shane McMahon coming off the the Hell in a Cell, but. Um, that mania last year, though, that's the end of their, like, story year. Yeah, but their slammies go from January to December. Yeah. But I, I, w- I would agree. Oh. <clears throat> this was this was uh, definitely badass. I didn't go back and rewatch this one. <clears throat> Out of the three matches I wanted to, I, wa- I wanted to go back and rewatch this one. But I knew it was so amazing. I'll go back and rewatch it, but I wanted to go back and rewatch some of the other ones that I thought maybe I didn't uh, fully absorb. <clears throat> and this one, folks, I if you haven't absorbed. witnessed the amazingness, which was my post on the Beef Sticks Facebook, go check it out. It shows a picture of Cesaro and his tooth is, and he's smiling, and it says, "This just in: WWE reboots the Bushwhackers." Because literally, I didn't watch the pay-per-view till the next day. So when I saw the picture, I thought maybe it was an old picture of one of them. Because it didn't really look like Cesaro. And then right. I read that it was Cesaro, and I'm like, I need to watch this match. I think that might actually be what locked in me watching the match. But I made some amazing hashtags, like, too sweet. And, and uh, we don't just set the bar, we bite the bar. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> it's hilarious. I I love. But it. even beyond that, that, this was so a hard fought match on on all ends. I do think Sheamus should have stepped up a little bit more for Cesaro, but I think after Cesaro busted up his mouth, he's like, "Well, what do I got to lose?" <laughs> right? I yeah, I think so. It's like just go all out at this point. Yeah, but you know, if I wasn't completely sold on Sheamus and Cesaro before No Mercy, I am now. And they're going to go down in history as one of the great tag teams. Yeah, as much as I was against them at first, um, and and they kind of came together in a shoddy way. It was kind of just they were throwing together. They were feuding for so long and hated each other, and in WWE fashion they were just like, meh, let's just make them team now. But it was a storyline that they did that. They didn't just like... No, it wasn't. They Do literally it. had him at a bar one day and just said, meh, let's kick some butt. And then they decided to be a team. It was, like, stupid. Oh, fully had, stuck them together. Full, yeah, fully put them in, in an, a match together for, like, the title or whatever. And they didn't like each other. And they didn't work well together. And then they were at the bar one day. I remember because I was happy to see a bar segment. <laughs> and they, and they like, beat up a bunch of guys. And then they sat and ordered Oh, a yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, the, the very next week, they're just like best friends. And it's like, I so I didn't like the way they were put together, but I'm so glad they were because this works perfectly. Yeah. I do and also have to say, I really enjoy their entrance. When Seamus's music kicks in and they're both like back to back doing the pose. I love it. And I really like Seamus's theme song for them as a group. Yeah. And I like <laughs> that they don't really push the... Uh, European angle on them. I know it's two European wrestlers, but that's really not part of their gimmick. Mm-hmm. You know, they do the, the, the yeah. kilts, which I don't know if they, I don't think they do. I don't think the last few times they've done the kilts. 
Yeah, um, no. But that was kind of an odd, so to, uh, an, 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 not an odd, an ode to Seamus. But I just, yeah, I love the fact that they don't have to be a European gimmick. They're just two badass brawlers. And it works. It and works for them. Yeah, and it's kind of reminiscent of the old Heart Foundation. Because Cesaro is, is, isn't really much of a brawler. He can fight and he's super strong. But he's like a wrestler and he likes to do moves and he likes to do suplexes and he likes to put on holds and he likes to do throws mm-hmm. and takedowns. And Sheamus is a get in there and punch you and kick you and throw you against the ropes and slam you. and, and Yeah, and, and yeah. Sheamus' three moves and Sh- Cesaro's repertoire plethora. blend really well together. <laughs> yeah, it's very similar it's really to good. Jim the Anvil Neidhart would be your Sheamus and Brett the Hitman Hart would be uh, your Cesaro. And that's one of the classic tag teams of all time right there, the Hart Foundation, one of the best ever. Yes, yes, indeed. I yeah, this believe... match for me gets at least an A. This yeah. was a really good match. I was going to say, it's 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 uh, it's not an A+, plus, but it's an A-A minus A easily. Um, they did oh, yeah. now finally um, name Seth Rollins' finisher, and the name was released in this match, and uh, it's it's just ridiculous. Did you catch it? Isn't it the Kingslayer? It's the King's Landing. Oh. Uh, King Slayer is okay. better. That's what that's what fans have been calling it. But I guess because he's the King Slayer, he can't have a move called him. I guess I don't know. But King Slayer oh. sounds much better. King's Landing. I I don't even get it. I don't know if it's a take on Knots Landing, the old soap opera, or if. Uh, like, because he's landing his knee. But it's like, King Slayer at least meant he can slay kings. Mm-hmm. But King's Landing almost makes it sound like he's the king and he's landing a knee. I don't know. I don't know. I just call it a, 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 a rainmaker. King's Landing is from Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, a rainmaker knee or uh, uh, what is it? The... um. The, the trigger um, that um, uh, Kenny Omega hits. Um, oh, okay. You know, you could just call oh, it that. Because okay. they, they use, like, Sling Blade and they use other names. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. They could have come up with something better. The King's Trigger. Shit, call it that. Right. The Rain Trigger. The Rain Trigger. Whoa. Can, I just said that and my search popped up Rain Trigger by Kenny Omega. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> he must have did a which is which is, is what that which is where Seth Rollins got the move from the the rain tr- was from Kenny Omega obviously which Kenny Omega yeah. took his move from Okada obviously which was the rainmaker the rainmaker yeah and that's the clothesline not the knee so yeah um i don't know i guess we're just not ha- you know we're fans we just bitch about stupid thing it's called the king's landing move on i guess uh, women's championship. We had Alexa Bliss defending her title against Bailey, Sasha Banks, Nia Jax, and Emma. What do you think? Here's the brutally honest part from Pasty White. I fast forwarded through this match. Um, I okay, and that, hey, you're brutally honest, and it, again, that shows you where they're um. 
uh, you know, fucking divas revo- or women's revolution is at right now. It's just another throw all yeah. the women in one fucking match. And when it came down to the finish, I was glad that I. And it wasn't it even because... thought out because, like, uh, the the Monday before they had like the four women in a in a in a four way or whatever, and didn't even fucking talk about Emma or let her fucking wave in the background or nothing. Like, right? Like they forgot Emma was in it or something. I don't know. Um. So the match, I, I, I'm torn on this. The match was good. The the match was actually, I would say, very good um, in the first uh, two thirds. In fact, there is a sick bump where it would have been a sick bump for a man, woman, child, beast, or or fucking brethren. So they got, I believe it's Bailey and and uh, um, I think it's Bailey and Emma are on the outside um, and. Nia Jax is on the apron and they go to do like a double power bomb onto Nia Jax off the apron onto the fucking concrete onto the floor and Nia's holding on and holding on and I was like god they're not gonna they're not gonna do it they're not gonna do it because at first I was like holy shit no no they're not gonna do it well then they had Alexa and Sasha both drop kick Nia and they end up doing the double power bomb to her and she lands hard and she lands on her upper back and on her lower neck. And it was just a sick bump. A badass move. Um, all the respect in the world to Nia Jax for taking that bump. It was a dangerous bump. And uh, she she sold it. She made it look good. It looked like they did it safe other than she landed a little awkward. But whenever you're doing a move that involves five people, it's hard to make it land 100%. Right. Um, but they had really good, um, action. They actually did a good job of keeping the women, uh, all kind of involved in their own sort of thing and, and making it seem like nobody was just, you know, fucking waiting on the bat and the outside just to do something. But, uh, I agree with you. I, I think the ending was, was kind of, that, the ending itself wasn't bad, but why... They had ba- they had Bailey take the pin, and I just don't understand that. Um, they just seem to be burying and burying Bailey, and it's like you had Bailey Emma, ain't shit. You had Emma in that match. Why wouldn't you pin Emma? Um, oh well, I should say Alexa Bliss got the win. She hit her uh, DDT, which I'm so glad. There's so many people now using the DDT as a finisher again. So I'm happy to say that there's at least like three, four people in the WWE roster that uses a DDT finisher. So let's just all be happy about that. Jake yes. the Snake is happy. Um, but uh, I just, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't get why they they had Bailey take the pin. To me, it doesn't make sense. I'm glad they did make Nia Jax look strong throughout the whole thing. Um, oh, she actually, I forgot there was another move. She did a double Samoan drop. She had um, nice. She had Alexa Bliss on her on her shoulders, and then um, Sasha was on the top rope, and she was going to jump and hit Nia, and Nia came and hit her kind of with Alexa, and then brought Sasha onto her shoulders and did the double Samoan drop. So that was badass also. That was pretty impressive. I'd recommend going back and rewatching it if you're going to rewatch a few of these um, matches. I would recommend it. But, um, yeah, the, the ending, I thought, didn't work very well for me. 
Yeah, I didn't watch it, so I don't have much to say about it. If nothing else, just go on um, go on YouTube and just find the double Samoan drop and find the uh, double power bomb because they're 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 worthwhile watching. They they're impressive. You'll have a uh, more respect for Nia Jax, which I think Nia Jax she she should have did it with all four women. Still be <laughs> still being pretty green. She's she has improved a lot. She's uh she she's not moving at Braun Strowman speeds of improvement, but I'd put her up there with like Braun Strowman as somebody who She'll be a great in her own time. I guarantee it. And like I said last week, she's becoming more main, having more mainstream appeal. She was just in a plus size models, uh, whatever the fuck you call it, showcase. Well, she used to be a plus size model. That's that's where she started. That's what she. That's what her her job was before getting into. And actually, if you go back and um. Look, it, it amazes me. If you go back and look at some of her stuff before she got to WWE, she had to have put on at least 60 pounds before going to WWE. She was way thinner before she got into WWE. Way thinner. She put on a lot of weight for WWE. And that's something you don't see enough of, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. They never ask women to put on weight. They want you to lose it. And, uh, you know, if they have more bigger women that they're going to start bringing in here, that could be really good for... Could be really good for her. I mean, hey, they had um, Amazing Kong was on the red carpet for the uh, May Young Classics uh, final finale. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. she was there with the um, with the cast of um, Glow because she's on Glow. Yep, yep. She was there with the cast of Glow. Um, so and then you have that uh, <clears throat> uh the gal they're calling Piper now. That was on the 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 May Young Classic, and I don't know if she's getting signed or not. But I I really liked her. She's a really good wrestler, and she's a big gal. It's like I'm I'm all for having bigger gals in wrestling. They don't have to be tiny model broads. I don't I don't want to see all of that. I want a variety, just like I do with my men. You know, I want right. to see variety. I want to see tiny. I want to see average, and I want to see big. A lot of Give people don't people agree with me. In fact, if you read the no, comments, I definitely, I definitely like the idea of of having more variety in the women's division because they don't all need to be models. No, or no. your idea of a model, you know what I mean? Yep. But then, you as look long at, as they um, can perform well in the ring, you look at any of the comments sections of WWE's uh, YouTube channel or even WWE posts and Twitter posts. Whenever they got bigger gals on there. <clears throat> I'm just embarrassed to be a man and a wrestling fan because they just say some of the most derogatory, horrible shit. And I know that's the internet in general, but it makes it that much harder to, to get that more right. variety. Yeah. <coughs> well, you can't deny Nia Jax is a beautiful woman. You can't do that. She is. She, she looks better than uh, Sasha Banks or Charlotte. Yeah. Or Becky Lynch. And she's not like most girls. Uh, that means she gives head, y'all. <laughs> um, that's not like most girls. <laughs> I've never met a woman that doesn't give head. <laughs> well, you don't stay in relationships for long either. It always starts out pouring, the river's flowing, and then it just stops. That's why I don't stay in relationships long. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh. 
So I, I don't know. It's I think it was worth a watch. I, if I gave it a grade, I'd give it a, uh, I'd give it a B plus. Maybe maybe a B due to the finish. Um, now on to what I uh, think was the second match of the night. If not the match of the night, but I think second match of the night. Roman Reigns versus John Cena. Yes. This, I mean, all you got to say is this, this is a main, this is a WrestleMania main event right here. Yeah, it was. It was a 23 minute match, I believe. Was it? Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. And they, they gave it everything. It was, it was a good, good brawl. This was another one though, where the ending kind of took a lot out of it. It built it up and built it up and built it up. And I mean, they were, they were giving each other everything. I mean, they were just going at it hard. Um, Cena, I want to say four AAs. Um, yeah, Sounds yeah, right. it was four AAs because he did a um, he did a AA. I think he did a regular AA. Then he did a roll through second his, rope. His roll through double AA, where he does an AA and yeah. then rolls and does it again. And then, yeah, he did a second rope super AA. Four AAs, and two of them were really big ones. Uh, tried to give him an AA through the announce table and got speared into another announce table. Saw that one coming. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. And I like how like... professional he was at clearing off those announce tables. <laughs> Not a pencil could stay there. I know. I noticed that, too. Like, there's like, a, a pad of paper or something, and he even brushed that aside and stuff, like... It was like we're not slipping, we're not doing nothing. It's 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 all gonna be there. But it did almost look like um Reigns kinda hit his head hard a little bit when he went over. Oh yeah. Yeah, that definitely been... looked like he cracked the top of his head. Yeah, he might have just been selling it, but it sure did look like it even on the replays. Like he kinda it was almost oh, yeah. like he DDT'd himself. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's all. That's all a spear really is, if you think about it. That that is what a spear. Well, when you land it like that, yeah, it's it's, it's basically just let, giving having the other person DDT you, but they get hurt. <laughs> um, but the end just to me was really actually you know not only was it just a, a spear and Superman punch, one or one Superman punch, one spear, but it was literally after he had just given him an AA. So he gives Reigns an AA, then Reigns just gets up, uh, Superman punches him, spears him, and gets a three count. For for this beating Cena, that just seemed very underwhelming to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He should have had to do, like you said earlier in the week, he should have had to do his super, I'm going to bounce off the ropes twice before I spear you thing. Yeah, and it's, Char- I, I get like, because so many people talk about how everybody ha- does so many finishers. Oh, they have to hit them with eight before they actually get them done with. So, yes, there's an extreme there also. But when you have a, and we're going to get to this later also. But when you have a huge marquee match like this with two, in WWE's eyes, two super phenomenal people. It should right. take more than one, one, one signature move to take them out. Yeah. And you can't say, this This definitely was Cena passing the torch to Reigns. Yeah. Cena apparently said that on, on Raw Talk, but he, he worded it slightly different. Well, I didn't watch Raw Talk, but I, I, I seen, he worded it as Reigns took the torch. He's like, Reigns definitely yeah. took the torch. 
And I didn't was... watch Raw talk, but I did watch Raw, and the next night he came out and he said, you know, I I lost to the better man. You know, I'm over 40 years old, and this isn't going to last forever. So I'm glad I could give it to somebody who can actually take the reins. Yep. No pun intended. And the crowd, the crowd, like, all chanted, thank you, Cena. And I swear to God, they were thanking him for putting Reigns into that position. I don't think so. I think because they've been selling it like he's retiring, which he's not. He'll be back by WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. But he did, he oh, did yeah. the Undertaker thing, you know. He did the Undertaker thing where he took his armband off, right. laid it in the ring, <laughs> looked out, teary-eyed. He gave it to a kid. He gave it to a kid. He didn't lay it in the ring. But didn't he lay it in the ring first and then sit in the corner or something? And I don't know. Yeah. I could be yeah, making, I could down be making and like, it up. That'd be funny. He takes his cargo shorts off and folds them up and puts <laughs> right. them in the ring. Right. <laughs> walks out in whitey tighties. Yeah. Puts his, his Leaves his sneakers on top of the shorts. Yeah, <laughs> leaves his sneakers. Um, yeah, they, they oversold him leaving. Like, they really oversold him leaving. Yeah. So you know he's going to be. Cena did come out on Raw and say he's not done yet. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna break Flair's record before he goes. We know that. Yeah. Did, did they but at this point, like he's, he's lost to so many of these up and comers. Who's he going to beat? Anybody. Anybody they want to have him do it. You know. Maybe maybe Vince. Uh, Maybe Vince has to has to give him another title win just to get him to actually um get married. You know, he gave him a title win just to propose. Maybe Vince is like, you gotta get married, Cena, in the ring. Vince, I already proposed. I'm gonna give you that 17th title reign. Come on, Cena. Do it for your father, Vince. Yeah, I, I don't know. Did he mention anything about stepping away for a while, or or or, or did he talk anything about it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's not going to be there while he's doing the Transformers movie. He can't be because of insurance reasons. Well, yeah, but he didn't say that, right? No, no. But he I'm, did I'm say just, that. I'm just wondering, like, what storyline? Like, storyline wasn't going to be much on. longer. Yeah. Like, what what storyline? His, his career will be coming to an end. I wonder if they're going to put him in an I Quit match for his career. That would be cool. Send him he's out still, to Ric Flair way when it does he's happen. He's still leaving me hanging here, pasty. <clears throat> what I don't know. You should have watched it. Wise, I'm not good at recanting shit. I'm not. I'm or the worst at it. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. I'm asking you. I, I maybe you weren't paying attention. I wasn't. I was sleeping. Obviously, I woke up. A few no, because he did there. say something about <clears throat> how he was going to be going away for a while, but he will be back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, right now, I'm going to say so many people are shitting on this match. I've heard. Almost nothing but negative things about this match. I don't hold it that low. I would easily give this no. match a B plus. And if yeah. it went for the ending, I'd have given second it a, best a match of the one. night. Easy. But um, I, I've seen nothing but people just shitting on this match, and I don't know. I mean, it was super hyped, but I think other than the ending, we kind of got what we all expected and what we hoped for. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what more people wanted. I guess. I know people aren't going right. to be happy that Reigns won, but we all knew Reigns was going to win, so let's just put that out of your mind right there. Yeah, yeah. Let it go, folks. Let it fucking go. Yeah. Redonkulous. Um, 
And then, um, most people had forgotten this was even there. I think you did also when I talked to you or somebody. Uh, well, yeah, I didn't forget it was match. there. I just wasn't there yet. Cruiserweight you called championship when I, match. <laughs> when I talked to you, the, the Cena Reigns match had just started. <laughs> I figured they put the Cruiserweights back on the, on the pre-show. But right. nope. Um, this was really a bad, underwhelming match. <clears throat> One thing I really liked was uh, well, I like the Beetlejuice references. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah. If, if you if you folks didn't see it, um, you can find pictures online. He came out in like a Beetlejuice striped um, um jumper or uh, overalls or whatever you call them. Um, <clears throat> but um, the one one thing I really liked was when Neville had him set up in the corner and Neville was going to hit the red arrow. But he's still holding out, you know, he's still a heel. And so he's like, no, right. I ain't giving you the red arrow. So he goes for a second I'm rope stepping Phoenix down a flash. Rope. So, which, which is by the, the way, same thing, isn't it? No, it's not. It, it's it's different. Oh. One's, one's, uh, one's forward and one's, one's backwards. Uh, Phoenix okay. Flash, you dive forward and corkscrew. And, um, and a red arrow, you do a inverted jump where your feet go out, not in yeah that makes sense yeah but which by the way is a badass move <laughs> very impressive looking so right. i mean you're still giving us what we want there okay Pac? come on right but, right <clears throat> but he did do that and i thought that was cool that kept with character even though he was he is going to just flip the very next day which is fine uh, right uh, it was yeah. a good double turn i liked the double turn i'm okay with the double turn um but anyway enzo amore got out of the got out of the ring and this is where it got really stupid. Enzo held up the cruiserweight title and Neville was just frozen in the ring because Enzo was holding the title. Like I really right. didn't I really I didn't get what they were trying to sell us with. I don't know if they yeah. were just trying to say Neville was appalled at the thought of Enzo having it. I I really didn't see what I couldn't figure out where what the story they were trying to tell us in the it didn't seem like the commentators knew either because they didn't do a good job of explaining it to me. Right, right. So he did that. I did like he... that the ref threatened to disqualify him for holding the title. Right. I'll disqualify you. So then he gets, I'm going to do it. He gets in the ring and, of course, uh, you know, threatens to hit him with the with the belt in the ring. And then the, the ref takes it. After the ref takes it, he hits the low blow. And right there, I knew he was winning the title. I was like, fuck. Oh, yeah. So he hit a low blow, and he got the pin. Um, on the plus side, it's a good heel win, <clears throat> I guess. But for this literally being, like, his first, like, fucking match and his first title match, and with Neville being such a dominant king, it was, again, it was super underwhelming for the end of his title reign to come <clears throat> at a cheap low blow in a fucking, what, five-minute match against Enzo fucking Amore. Right. I was really, I was really disappointed with it. And the match itself wasn't great. Yeah. It was what it was. Enzo talked longer than the match was. Yeah, or at least as long. So I'd, I'd give this, like, a, a D plus, maybe a C minus, maybe. But I'm going to say a D plus. Yeah. But to Enzo's credit, it's probably the first time the Cruiserweight Championship has ever been in the second-to-last slot on a pay-per-view. Yeah, but the second-to-last slot on a pay-per-view is kind of the, uh, the, what do they call it, the bathroom break? That's usually where they put, like, the women's match or or where they'll put, like, right. a, a match with no title. 
because it's between a big hyped match and of course you had the Cena Reigns, and then mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you get people kind of lulled down to build them back up to the next match. So uh, traditionally, it's not a great spot to be in on a pay per view. But it's still later on the pay per view than it's it ever been. It wasn't the pre show. Yeah, it wasn't the pre show. Right. Yeah. Which is where it has been. I think I I don't think the cruiserweight. God, I'd have to do some research if the cruiserweight title has even been defended on pay per view yet. I don't think. I it almost has. don't think so. Yeah. So there you go. You. It got definitely that. didn't happen when Austin Aries was around. No, other than pre show, but not on no, the actual pay per view. They opened a show once. I Did think. They? Aries and Neville, I'm pretty sure. That's possible. Um, so yeah, that was very um, underwhelming, and so you're gonna you're gonna see a, a kind of a, a trend in these last three matches of just uh, underwhelming at the end, which brings us to the main event, Universal Championship match. Uh, I guess if if uh, Finn Balor versus versus Wyatt was man versus man, this is definitely beast versus beast. Oh yeah. Um. Now, uh, when I first watched this, folks, I was falling asleep. I was really uh, wore out from watching everything. But then also, um, that again, the, the Enzo and, and Neville match just 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 underwhelmed me so much. So I was kind of falling asleep here. Um, I was kind of out of it a little bit and in it. Um, the first time I watched this match, I actually really liked it. It was kind of two big guys just fucking throwing each other around. Lesnar hits a, a, a bunch of suplexes. Um, and Strowman hit, I think, three of his power slam finishers. Yep. I think three altogether. Um, and then at one point, Brock got him up. Barely. I think it was right after a power slam also. I think it was really similar to the Reigns and Cena ending. I think it was right after a power slam. He got up. He picked Braun up. Didn't pick him up easily or way up there, which is understandable. Right. Don't, don't get me wrong. Right. I'm not yeah. I'm not knocking yeah. him for that. <laughs> and hit um, not the best looking F5 in the world. Again, probably not easy to do with Braun Strowman. But we've seen him hit a F5 on Strowman before that looked better than this. Um, and then he just got the pin after one F5 on this beast that's been being built up since since WrestleMania. I mean, the guy that destroyed Roman Reigns, the guy that's <clears throat> throwing ambulances around. <clears throat> um, again, I just very underwhelming finish. Yeah. Even the first time I watched it, I thought it was underwhelming. Now, I went back and rewatched this match as well as the Cena Reigns one, which I thought still held up. This one, I think, when I was watching it, when I was halfway asleep, I'd have my eyes closed and drift off, and then I'd pop and up And you'd see something. a better match than what was in the match? <laughs> no, but I think I'd, I'd like, um, I, I'd, I'd get shaken to reality when something big was happening, and when there was a big move and a big this, and then I'd go to sleep during the low times, and then there'd be a big move and a big this. And so it felt like there was more going on. When I went back and rewatched it, it is a very slow, even for two big guys, it's a very slow match that not a lot happens in. <clears throat> and I thought it felt longer the first time I watched it than the second time I watched it. 
Um, you told me how long it was, but it it, it was longer for a Brock like match, six I minutes think. and thirty six seconds. Yeah, um, that's longer for a Brock match. But I honestly think, if I remember right, I think the Samoa Joe match was longer than that. I think the Samoa Joe match almost got to ten minutes. I think it was nine something, maybe eight something. Um, just just as much as they've been building up Braun, and the fact that there were some people that thought Braun could win this. Um, God, I. No, I, I I wasn't a fan. Yeah, yeah. I I honestly they should have almost put uh, Cena Reigns at the end. In hindsight, I would have, but it wasn't a terrible match. It just wasn't what it could have been or should have been. And maybe it'll happen again. I don't know. But uh, see, Braun Strowman, Kurt Hawkins came out on Raw. And he said, this is where my defeated streak ends. And then Braun Strowman's music kicks in. And he's like, oh, fuck. And Braun comes down and destroys him. And he says, I want a real fight right now. So Dean Ambrose comes out. He beats the fuck out of Dean Ambrose, leaves him in a heat back er, in the ring. Later on backstage, Ambrose is backstage nursing his wounds. And Seth Rollins comes up. He's like, what the hell did you do that for? You can't just do that. He's like, yeah, but I'm unpredictable. And (laughs) Rollins, or he said something about how Rollins is predictable. And Rollins said, I'm predictable? Well, watch what I'm going to do next. Next week, I'm going to fight Braun Strowman. So I feel like the Shield getting back together will be because Braun Strowman is about to kill both Ambrose and Rollins, and Reigns has no choice but to come help them. I almost thought that was going to happen um, on Raw. Was it Raw? What what was going on that... uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, wasn't it Raw when when, uh, the Miztourage was beating them up or something? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, because it was in the, uh, the, the Miz TV segment, right? Right. Something? I don't know. I, I yep. was in, I was in and now we're building up to the next Raw pay-per-view, too, which is TLC, which is good. Uh, there was some chair action in Raw. I can't remember exactly where it was. Oh, that's a point yeah. I wanted to make for the main event also of um of the pay-per-view. They kept chanting, we want tables, we want tables. And I'm like, you know what? It's not a hardcore match. It's not an anything-goes match. Would you guys quit right. chanting, we want table at inopportune times, like... Right. And there was a lot Well, of... it's just because of their fatal four-way match when Braun destroyed Lesnar through all the tables. Yeah. But there but that again, that's a anything goes match in a fatal four-way. Right. Right. But, but that's just it the fans just wanted still, that moment. Yeah, that... they still had CM Punk chance to and all this other stupid shit, right. so But I mean it'll happen at TLC probably. Yeah. Um so I tallied up our score and I can't believe it. I think I beat you, Pasty. Three to two. Yeah, I, I, you're probably right. Because probably we picked right. a lot of the same things. Um, you picked Miz when I picked Jordan, so you got that yep. point. I picked the Shield when you picked the Bar, so I got that point. And then I picked Brock when you picked Braun, so I got that point. Yeah. The only other one that we got was um, Roman Reigns winning against Cena. Otherwise, we were wrong about all the rest of them. So 
I like that. I like that. I'm glad. I'm happier when I'm wrong. It was well, and it wasn't. It wasn't um, obvious. Some of the things um, kind of seemed obvious. I guess to me, Enzo winning was not obvious. Yeah. No. Um. I guess a lot of it wasn't obvious. The, the women's match, I think it was 50-50, but that's still not obvious. I think we I both said either... Bliss would win it if Nia didn't, though. Yep, yeah, we both said Nia Jax, we both said if she didn't, Bliss would win it. So, um, I actually even changed my answer from Bliss to Jax, but I'm sticking with it because I thought, although, um, I will say this, earlier, uh, I think it was during the pre-show, when they said Asuka was going to uh, debut at TLC, right then yeah. I knew that Nia Jax was uh, was going to lose because my thinking was Nia Jax was going to beat Alexa Bliss and she'd be the transition champion between Bliss and Asuka. And Asuka would yeah. make her debut on the main roster and beat Nia for it because she's beating a big beast monster, you know? Yeah, well, she's and, beat Nia before too, so... She has, but it, I think to me it looks better. Asuka versus Nia, I think, looks better than Asuka versus Alexa. Even though Alexa can win against anybody, she's proven it. Right, But yep. So my thought was she was going to be a transition champ, which would be an okay start for her. But once I seen it wasn't going to be till TLC, I was like, no, Nia's not winning it and holding it for two months. That's not happening. Hey, fun fact, the Velveteen Dream debuted on NXT... Uh, you mean wrestling or what? He's been on NXT. Yeah. Well, he didn't. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I saw him for the first time. Oh. <laughs> he, he came out when Alistair Black was in the ring. So that'll be that'll be an interesting rivalry. Yeah, they sat I'm down excited together. to see how those characters. Yeah. They almost kissed. Yeah, very close. Ooh. I'm excited to see how that plays out. This could be good. This that'll be, be a good story. Good. Yeah, this could be very good. Oh, yeah. Good. I love characters like Velveteen Dream, the overly flamboyant, like, oh, you yeah, know. Your, your Tyler get... Breeze, your, um, your Velveteen Dream. I liked Orlando Jordan, um, the character. Yeah. As a wrestler, he wasn't great, yeah. but I liked the character. Yep, like like we were talking about uh, on the 25th episode, <laughs> Vito coming out in his dress. Right. And he'd, he'd flash dudes, and then he'd win the match because they're, like, trying not to throw up. That's um, it's a good gimmick. Perry Saturn used to come out in a leather leather dress, pierced there you nipples go. and everything. Headbangers used to come out in Fucking dresses. Right. Well, those were more kilts, weren't they? Uh, they were. I don't think so. I think they were dresses. <laughs> it I was don't... a skirt because it was. <laughs> right. It's not a. It's not a kilt. It's a skirt. <laughs> Rest in peace, Bobby. Um... <laughs> At least he's got. At least he's got the Huff. And you, right? <laughs> Rest in peace, Hugh Hefner, man. Man. You definitely got to rub one out for the man. You know right? what? And kids, kids nowadays... Don't, my hands I, still smell like good lotion. Yeah, my the, the kids nowadays could never understand the importance of uh, Hugh Hefner because with the internet, it's just like... They're just given a free a free go. Right. You know what I mean? Like they'll never understand they, what it was like. I would assume I would assume and, kids these days, like just getting into porn, don't even really know what Playboy is. No, no. And to be it's fair, like, I don't think I it's ever It's like the eight track. It's like the eight track of porno. I don't think I ever actually <laughs> masturbated to Playboy because I had access to some of the smuttier ones that had like penetration and <laughs> 
and real stuff. So <laughs> that was kind of my forte. Oh. I liked the nastier, dirtier shit. Because Playboy, to be fair, was actually pretty... Um, it was a classy, it classy, classy Meg. It was. It was classy. It was classy. Um, it, I mean, look at Hugh Hef. Classy. Look at the Playboy Mansion. Classy. Hey, some people's favorite, uh, or, or or maybe not even favorite, but yeah, some people's favorite, uh, children's writer, Shel Silverstein. Um, yes. uh, End of the Sidewalk, The Giving Tree, all of that. She started her career Light writing. Attic. Yeah, she started her career writing for Playboy. That's where she got her start, was writing for Playboy. There you go. You thought I was going to say hey. she was in it, didn't you? You thought I was going to say she was in it. No, I, I, I've heard this. I've heard this before. But, um, you know, it, it was a very Oh, uh, just, like, just like Roald Dahl, the author of BFG and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, wrote his erotic adult novels. And, you know, it's like a writer is a writer. That's Right. I've had so many people you say, can't, could... You can't. R.L. Stein's the only one who's ever wrote for kids and stayed there. <laughs> well, well, he didn't. He wrote adult fiction. Um, he didn't sell near as good on it. Like this. Um, but he, actually, I have his very first uh, adult book that he wrote, and it was actually a pretty good one. It wasn't like, uh, it wasn't a porn, but it was like a Stephen King, no. Dean Koontz type book. Yeah. No, I want to read that. I have it. I'll, I'll borrow I'm it to you sometime when we meet up. Because it's actually good. The Choose I, Your Own Adventures really got to me. I, I loved those as a kid. Um you know, I honestly, I'd always hold the page though. So if I made the wrong decision and died, I'd be like, "Nah, fuck that." Before I think we, we all did that, but before um, before Goosebumps started doing it, I actually found because who's gonna go those... back to the beginning and read the whole fucking thing again? Yeah, right. Go fuck yourself. I found those choose your own adventure books. Um, I think like the first time I got locked up in juvenile detention, because um, you do a lot of reading when you're locked up in, in anywhere. Oh yeah. And they yep. had these old, and but it, they were adventure books. You know, R.L. Stein brought it to the horror genre, and I don't know if anybody else did, but they were like Dungeons and I used Dragons to adventure type ones books. from like the nineteen seventies. Yeah, oh. they had your own choose your own adventure, and I got addicted to them. And then later on, when R.L. Stein was putting some of them out, it's like, hey, I know what these kind of books are. That's cool. Yeah, good shit. Now, um. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut us off real quickly because I really want to talk about Rick and Morty and we're we're getting down in time. I don't know what we're at, but we got about a half I know, hour we're left. Not, yeah, we're at an hour thirty just and not seven seconds. Fucking time. I know so, we're not even gonna get around to talk about Gotham at this point. We we can touch on it. We can touch. We can touch things. I like to touch things. So do we want to start with the latest and go back to um to mind blowers, or do we want to go in chronological and go with mind blowers and then go to ABCs of best. We can. Um, I think Mindblowers was at least a little bit better than the ABCs of Beth. Although the ABCs of Beth Whoa. was a really good episode. Whoa! Wow! Yeah. Okay. So, what do you want to start with? Uh, Mindblowers. So let's start with the ABCs of Beth. I'm oh, going to work our way to what I feel is the better show. <clears throat> okay, and it obviously. Oh um... wow! So you disagree with me there, obviously. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I disagree. But, um, there, that sounds good. Because even though chronologically it's out of order, um, storyline-wise, one doesn't affect the other. So I think it works right. just fine. That's Rick and Morty for you. So go ahead, uh, take us off. You you just recently watched this episode. I watched it this morning. <laughs> and this is a rare treat for you folks. Um, yeah, you watched it when you got it's home. A- 
That's what I said. Or meant. I don't know. Shut up. <laughs> no, you're just throwing me <laughs> off because I was talking to you at like five o'clock and you're like, I'm gonna watch I, I it said this I morning, home. didn't I? Yeah, you said I watched didn't it this I? morning. I was like, wait a second. I didn't watch it this morning. Okay. This morning before I started drinking. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> after my first meal of the day. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm an asshole. Okay. So, yeah, this one is it's kind of a special treat because it's a rare opportunity to see a Rick and Beth adventure. The first, maybe? And when I first heard that, yeah, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, this is going to suck. But then it was brought to my attention that, hey, it's okay. Jerry's got the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and thank God for Jerry. I miss him so damn much this season when he's not there. I love Jerry. And I guess that brings me to this week's Jerry of the week being Jerry. I'm just going to throw that up there in the corner of the screen while we talk about this. because we even, Yeah, we didn't even discuss the Jerry of the week, did we? <laughs> oh, fuck, I forgot all we about We got it that. in there, though! <laughs> and it, it, it's a good week for Jerry to get it. I, I think so. He definitely Jerried himself this week. Yes. So, yeah, I gave the rough synopsis. Now you can uh, kind of take it from there. Well, like you said, I, I think Chris Parnell is just an amazing voice actor. And so, yeah, he's yes. he's been missed as not a, a, an every episode character. Um, You gave a really, <laughs> a really brief synopsis. I'm so sorry. Like I said, I was like cleaning up and eating well, dinner and focused so, on like so what, eight other things. So it starts out with... um. The father of Beth's um, childhood best friend, Tommy, is going to be executed. He's been uh, in prison for years because he murdered and ate Tommy, uh, his son, which is was her best friend. Uh, Rick and Beth are talking, and somehow <clears throat> she mentions how she told her she went had to go through years of therapy because she made up this uh, this floopy floopy world floopy land. Floopy, floopy land, floopy land, floopy land, yep. floopy land. Yep. So she made up this floopy land as a way to, to explain why he was gone. Cause she said he got lost in floopy land and that was her way of dealing with her, his dad eating him. Well, <laughs> Rick isn't a good father. So he didn't hear this and say, Oh Beth, no, really floopy land was real. And Tommy did go there. No, he's just going to let it go. But then Beth says, I know. I know, Froopy Land, a really stupid name, but hey, I was just six or seven at the time, so, you know, you can't expect me to come up with a great name, okay? So it's just Froopy Land. That's what gets Rick pissed off, and we know how he is about his creations, like Pirates of the Pancreas and shit like that. So uh, he's like, oh, well, I think you could do something better than Froopy Land, huh, Beth? And she's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So he takes out this chalk. And uh, I, I watch things about Rick and Morty, and everybody, I guess, is saying that this is a reference to Chalk Zone, which it could be. I I, I know of the show Chalk Zone, but it was past me watching Nicktoon. I think it was a Nicktoon, wasn't it? it was I've never or, heard of it. It was either a Nicktoon so or So it was, was probably uh, on Nick. Yeah, it was a Nicktoon or, or a Cartoon Network. Anyways, um, I what I thought of right away was Pan's Labyrinth, because in Pan's Labyrinth, they draw the chalk door and then they go into this wonderland and it turns out to be more terrifying than it really is wonderful. And that's kind right. of what happens here. They go into this, he uses this magic chalk um, and they walk into Froopy land and it's, and it's um actually another thing I've heard pasty and you can help me with this. 
as they say, it's very reminiscent of uh, No Man's Sky, the the land that they're in, and that there's references to No Man's Sky. I know you play No Man's Sky, so maybe you caught some of those references or not. I didn't. Not particularly. Uh, when I do rewatch it, though, I'll be looking out for that. I mean, No Man's Sky, you're literally playing in a galaxy with infinite amount of planets to explore, so I don't really know many references, unless it's like races of characters. So, um... So Beth is kind of like, so instead of taking care of me, you just threw me in this place. I could be the one who died, not Tommy. And Rick goes out of his way to show her it's like the most kid-friendly and perfect place for a kid. The ground is cushy and you can't get hurt falling on it. The water (laughs) is literally a rainbow that you can breathe with your head in. So the, the water is rainbow and you can breathe when you're in it. Um, It's just everything is just the most amazing it can be. Until this bird comes out of the sky, this mutated fucking uh, uh, heffalump woozle human bird hybrid fucking thing. It's like a it's like Pee Wee's Playhouse <laughs> if Pee Wee's Playhouse was even more on acid than it already was. Um, right. And it takes Rick and rips off his arm. So Rick now has another mechanical part now because he makes a, another arm. Um. So they find out Beth is like, I thought you made it, you know, so nothing could happen. And he's like, Well, I did. And then he quotes, uh, he quotes, uh, <laughs> fucking, uh, uh, um, fucking, uh, Jurassic Park, uh, guy, Shades guy, um, Jeff Goldblum. Doctor, yes, Doctor yeah, Ian Malcolm. Malcolm, yeah, Doctor Malcolm, where he's like, life, li- li- life finds a way. And so basically, what happened is Tommy got left there a long time ago. Beth never came back again, and somehow. These creatures came about from these Fruity Land creatures and human mixing. So that's how they're going to yes. be, be, be painful and, and bad things because humans are bad. So and, and the funniest thing is they figure this out before they even meet him. What happens? Do you want to explain how right. these creatures came about, Josh? Because they're pasty? Because I, I love this. I love it. Didn't he just fuck a bunch of the Fruity Noopers or whatever? Yeah, he fucked the fruity noopers, and then when they had babies, he'd eat them for sustenance. Yes. And then he'd fuck yes. more. And that's how he survived. He survived off incest. of incest and, and half cannibalism. Yeah, so he's just fucking these creatures. He's getting more and more made, and they, they eat them, or they grow up, or... Um, <laughs> which, uh, they end up finding Tommy, and he, he explains it in, in a super disturbing play, which is a, a callback to Hamlet, almost a play within a play right. or whatever. And, and the best part about this super disturbing play is they got these kid fruity noops, which are half human, half fruity fucking hybrid incestuous things. Right. And they're yeah. talking about um, the story of how it came to be. And so he's like, I'm Tommy and this is my best friend, Beth and Beth threw me into a river and then she left me to die. But I started humping and I humped a rock, and I humped a tree, and I humped this beast, and then a baby is born, and then they show a, a cardboard cutout of a beast, and one of the fruity noob kids come out and says, I am a baby, now eat of my body for your substance. And the creepiest part is, it's real kids doing these voices, so it really right. sounds fucked up. It's just awesome. It's it's I love it. I just fucking love it. I loved it, I loved it, I loved it. Uh, so anyways, they, uh, how did they end up leaving? They left. 
did they turn on them or did she just get pissed at him or something or see i'm not sure i, I more paid I attention to the b side of the story on this one i, I watched I, i've only watched it once i'll watch it some more but um anyways at one sick point is he invites him for supper and uh or he he shows them how he's like you want to see how i create them and they're like no and then he literally humps this this beast that's half his child and half a beast and then a kid pops out and they literally start eating it right there it's really it's, not, it's <laughs> disturbing but in 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 a not so horribly disturbing way i think it's because they're these fruity noop creatures it's not as bad as it right. kind of i think it's not it all sounds, humans the way it sounds, right. me saying it sounds horrible, but I think it's not that bad. It's only half as bad. Yeah, it is. And I'm just a sick fucker anyway, so that that's part of it. Um <laughs> So they end up leaving, but then but then Beth um wants to go back because she's like, you know, I have to save Tommy, it's my fault. And Rick is like, no, and she's Oh, she's like, you You didn't never care for me and all of this. And he's like, Beth, did you ever wonder why I created this fruity land? He's like, you were a sick kid. And she's like, no, I wasn't. And he's like, do you want me to show you the toys you asked for me to make you? And she has like a whip that makes people like you. Invisibility <laughs> handcuffs. <clears throat> a sentient switchblade. So a switchblade that literally thinks for itself and is alive. <clears throat> a ladybug taser. Um, an indestructible bat, uh, a parent trap. He calls it a parent trap, like the old yes. Disney movie, and it's literally just yep. a bear trap. <laughs> <laughs> a parent trap, and it's a fucking bear trap. So you find out, like, this is the first we, we've kind of seen. Beth has had her problems, and when they went to the when they went to the shrink, you could tell that she uh, had her problems, and she she was really more like her dad than she wanted to admit. But here you see she really does have some problems more than we ever fucking realized. Right. Um, so then um, so then she decides she's going to go back. And, and Rick's like, I don't care. He's like, you're not even my daughter. And she's like, I know, I'm one of a million daughters. And he's like, yeah, well, every Rick has another daughter like you that has a fruity land because every one of you are like this. I thought this was neat because he literally tells her you're not my daughter. So he admits right. that yep. he's not her Rick. Yeah. Um, and as we've seen from the episode before this that we'll get to, the Cronenberg uh, uh, episode is not the only time they've switched realities. So they're not even right. on just their second reality. They're on multiple ones. So At least um, the third. At least. Very least. Yeah. So I, I, I thought it was kind of neat that he just threw that out there so nonchalantly to Beth. I'm not even your, your, you're not even my daughter. It's like, wow, that was, she knew about it though. She, she said did. something she about, surprised. yeah, like, yeah. yeah, she said, I'm one of you abandoned me in another universe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I, I found that, uh, I don't know. It, it caught me off guard. And then, mm. so she leaves <laughs> and he says, he says the best line ever. And, uh, oh, I had it. I, I wanted to get it right. And now I don't. Uh, go. He's like, all right, then just go ahead, Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> he's like, wow, I don't know why I said that. That had nothing to do with anything. Well, you know what? I'm owning it. <laughs> well, go ahead, Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> then he just says it with even more passion. It was just hilarious because it did have nothing to do with anything. He's just like, go ahead, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, she goes back and she ends up just like slaughtering all the fruity noops. Like, just horribly f slaughtering them. And she ends up killing Tommy. Um, 
she kills Tommy. Um, they don't show her kill Tommy, but he basically, he's, she ends up being like, like, like Jerry. He, she won't admit that it's her fault. He's there. And he's like, can't you just admit it? Can't you just give me an apology? And, and she refuses to give her an apology. And, um, so then, then they kind of cut and you go back and you see, uh, Rick in the garage and Beth just comes back the fruity door just covered in blood and she's like well I didn't bring Tommy back so what they do is they end up cloning Tommy and then they end up bringing him to his dad and so they stop the execution his dad doesn't get executed because he didn't murder and eat Tommy that was Beth uh, we don't know that she ate right. him but you know when in Rome <laughs> uh, so that was the A story um I, I actually, I'm, I'm opposite of you. I really liked the A story way better than the B story. But that's cool. I've been doing things. I, I would have liked it. I, I did like what I caught of it. And as you're recanting the story from what I remember and things I remember hearing, yeah, no, it's it's definitely a good story. So do you want to talk more about the B story then, or, or do you want me to take it? Um. Well, I can start it out, kind of. The kids are visiting their dad for the weekend, and he's got a new girlfriend. And his girlfriend, I don't remember what her name is. Do you? Kiara. I only remember it because it's Kiara. Simba, it's Simba and Nala's daughter's name. Okay, there you <laughs> the go. Lion King. She's a three-titted alien assassin. Which, right off the bat, you're like, Jerry, what are you doing? Right away, you I was saw like, what Jerry, she has three man. of. <laughs> now guess what she has two of. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no it was, that 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 side of the story was pretty good you know he he's with her he's happy the kids tell her he can't be with her he they call him what half racist or something like no! that yeah sexist tendencies and and then he breaks up with her blames it on the kids for being having racist and sexist tendencies. So she flips out and says they need to kill the kids so they can be together. And yeah, fun ensues. Yeah, it's it and it is actually I mean this is one where the A and B are both good. Yeah. Um definitely. And you don't get see, to see I definitely enough... looked at the B side of the story as the A side, but I guess it's just cuz what I saw more of but Fair it was enough. definitely, it's good. It was, that, it was, for me, if Morty's not in it, it's really not a side. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was kind of a, a meta joke that they put in there too, where Rick said something about um, all I need is, and he was talking about for for a plan to work. He's like, all I need is a a, a plot. Uh, God, what did he say? Like a plot. Um, a uh, uh, um, whatever. I'm I'm running. I, I I had to I had to quote. And no, I don't know what it was. But basically, he says like he needs like the three story elements and something to be positive for Rick and Morty. So he's basically saying for an episode, they have to have like a plot. They need to have a conflict. They need to have something that ben- that's what it was. He needs a plot, a conflict, something that benefits Rick, and then of course Morty. So those three things, right. or those four things, it was kind of, what I took it as was that's 
uh, Royland and Harmon saying, those are the four things that we demand in an episode. We need a plot, a conflict. Yeah. We need it to benefit Rick, at least at the beginning. You know, it's got to be something that Rick is going to be benefiting from, at least in his mind. And then it has to have Morty in it. Right. Well, not every episode has something that Rick thinks he's benefiting from, because there's been twice now that Morty's called the adventure. Yeah, but he's he was benefiting it from it um, both times. Well, kind of, I guess. Um, you could say <laughs> he was benefiting from <clears throat> from cashing in on, on the thing because he told Morty he could get one every few ones and 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 he was benefiting from the uh king jellybean one because he was getting morty to shut up i mean i guess you could argue yeah maybe yeah not. okay <clears throat> maybe not or he could just be, have been benefiting from the king jellybean one because he wanted to prove morty wrong and he wanted to prove that morty couldn't have a good adventure that could have been what he was benefiting from i don't know okay I, i'm not i'm not trying to I, i'm not gonna say i'm in the mind of the writers but i'll just you know i'll fucking make shit up I'll create an ex machina. Um, I, I did love Kiara. But to sum it up, and because we do have to wrap soon, we, are, we have about 12 minutes left until we're going into overtime. Rick ends up breaking off with her. She wants to kill the kids. He tries to prevent her from killing the kids. He tells her that he was just using her to get back at his ex-wife, or she finds that out. She gets really pissed. She's about to kill all of them. And then her ex-boyfriend comes up. Hey, Kiara, what the fuck are you doing on Earth? <laughs> and he has three breasts and two of something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all And so all... it turns out she's been using Jerry to get back at, at him. Yeah, she Jerry was her rebound. Um, I, I it's think, so funny how pissed off Jerry is about it, too. It's great. I know, right? I honestly think that this was the most season one or two type episode that they've had all season. Like, yeah. I think this one could have fit in season one or two and, and and fit just well. I think you would have it would have it would have fit in. Other than the big um, the big Beth stuff at the end, I guess. Yeah. Before we go. Basically, at the very end of the episode, Rick tells Beth that he can clone her to be a perfect clone, a clone that'll take care of the kids, love the kids, nobody would miss out on anything, and she can leave and go do whatever she wants, whether it's for a day, a week, a month, or a lifetime. And they end the episode with you not knowing if she took that offer or not. Right. So I did kind of feel like the Beth that we saw at the very end interacting with the kids was a little bit different. She was. But it did... It did seem like she had decided to stay. It was, it's like, is she different because this is now the clone? Or is she different because she sat and looked at all the pictures and decided she was satisfied with her life? And so now she's going to do that. So I agree. I agree. Um, It gives you something to think about. And I hope they don't solve that, you know, by next episode. I hope it's something that goes into season four, if we get a season four. Which I'm sure we will. See, and I've been questioning all season, like, are we even with the same Rick and Morty? But, like, you, well, no, no, because if they Cronenberg Earth and then fucked up another universe, the odds are we are still with the same Rick and Morty. And I'm glad that that's kind of been cleared up for me. I'm still trying to figure out why everybody has ass faces in the intro. There's something to that. 
I really and there's actually, a reason why it's like that. The one I something is see fucked is, up um, in the storyline. The one I want to see is the the two summers. It looks like almost like the Cronenberg summer and our summer that are fighting some things in the intro. That's the one I'm really uh, interested in. Yeah. <clears throat> Like, but like the the intro for seasons one and two, a lot of it will probably never even be in an episode. Yep. I have a feeling we'll never get the Cthulhu one until maybe the last episode. Right. That's kind of like their thing. So let's get into um, Morty's Mind Blowers. Morty's Mind Blowers. This one is uh, an anthology episode similar to Interdimensional Cable. I was pissed. I was pissed because they were going to sit down and watch Interdimensional Cable. I know, they teased you. They teased you so perfectly. Those Um, dicks. But we didn't get it, and we got something different. Um, I don't don't think it was as good as Interdimensional Cable 1, but it was probably just as good as Interdimensional Cable 2. I can give it that. I give them credit for trying something different. Um, I I like the fact that they're at least dedicating themselves to one... Um, um, anthology episode per season, even if it's not always going to be interdimensional cable. Right. One thing you lost in this is that you could tell there wasn't near as much improv. It was fairly scripted, told out stories, but that can be a plus also. I mean, some of the stuff was pretty loose, especially in uh, the second, um, you know, you had that fucking squid man or whatever in the second interdimensional cable that just fell flat. So. Um, do we want to do we want to hit on a couple of our favorites? What was your favorite or favorites? Oh, Jesus! I like the there's Jesus a lot one. of. <laughs> oh yeah, there wasn't a Jesus one. No, you kick it off. You kick it uh, off. I, so I have, I have two favorites. One is a bigger favorite, and one is short. So I'm going to start with the short one that that maybe isn't a lot of people's favorites, but for some reason I just loved. Um. So so Morty's making a shelf. And, uh, and he's got a level out there and he's trying to level it. You know, yes. everybody knows what a level is. It's just a, it's a bar with fluid and a bubble and you got to get the bubble right there. Mm. And Rick's like, what are you doing? I'm making a shelf. I'm getting it level. You call that level. What are you primitive? What are you going to make something level with a bubble and some water? Oh, well, well, gee, Rick, what do you think? You could make it more level. He's like, yes, I can Morty. And they go on this quick montage. It had to have been yeah. know, five seconds. It's super quick. Of him just leveling out this portion of, of land. Just a, a square, probably three foot by three foot square in the garage. And he's like, I'm done, Morty. And Morty goes and he steps in it. And at first I thought Morty was being sarcastic. But he's not. He steps in it and he's like, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, how level. Oh my God. This is amazing. Oh, this is so perfect. The world makes sense now. And then Summer comes in and she's like, Morty, you got to go to school. And she's pulling him out, and he's like, no, no, I can't leave. And as soon as he steps out of the level ground, he's like, oh, my God, nothing's right. Right. (laughs) The earth is is horrible. Everything's wrong. Everything's (laughs) crooked. And he's like, lambs to the cosmic slaughter. I love that line. (laughs) Lambs to the cosmic slaughter. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's definitely one of my favorites. I cracked up so hard for that. That was so great because he was in pure ecstasy while he's on pure level. Yeah, and it's like God, I want to feel that. (laughs) So that one was good. My second favorite was the the Moon Man episode. I or the whatever skit. I liked the Moon Man. Basically, Morty's looking through a a a telescope at the moon, and he sees a guy on the moon, like looking very suspicious. He's got the the curled mustache, like all villains do. 
And, uh, <laughs> and he sees him. And then anyways, later he sees him in school and it's Mr. Lunas. And we all know Lunas is like lunar. And, um, and, and Morty's like, ah, oh, that, that guy, that guy was on the moon. So Principal Vagina comes out there and thinks on the moon is, is code for molesting Morty. And so you get a pedophile joke from him. And, uh, anyways, he ends up, uh, he ends up killing himself cause everybody thinks he's a pedophile. And then at the funeral, people are like, Mr. Lunas was a great man and a loving family. Some say he looked like a smudge on a lens. And then Morty goes back and looks at the telescope and he sees the man on the moon again. And then he looks at the front of it and there is a smudge in the shape of Mr. Lunas. And so he, he thinks that he's, he made Mr. Lunas kill right. himself. My um, God. The, the, the biggest what thing about I this, done? I was pissed that at his funeral, they did not play Goodbye Moon Man. <laughs> right. Goodbye Moon Man. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's the perfect spot for them to play Goodbye Moon Man. Uh, what do you think of this this short? I liked it. I th- I feel like it was kind of one of the biggest shorts in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost cornerstone to the episode. I gotta say, one of my favorites was uh, Left Light Switch. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's so great. Morty flips the wrong switch. Did I just hear flips. three inch light switch, switch. flips? <laughs> and then they gotta go kill a bunch of people because of it. No, the people were dead. They, they, oh, it was, it was yeah. their life support. For some reason, yeah. for some reason, the power to their life support is in Rick's garage. So. <laughs> and I was also very enthralled with the squirrels control the world before it got to the end point where they said, "We've already done this once, Morty." I told you we only have so many of these. I, I was really way into it before one. that. I, I it was really good. Is he is he listening to us? <laughs> yeah, we got a possible one ninety. Or we got a one ninety on a possible Doolittle here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love too. Oh, they're like apparently the squirrels are running the world because they're 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 making all mm. these big moves and something about Iran or, or Russia or something. And yeah, it's. <laughs> And I like when they find out he can hear him and he's walking away and they're like, little boy, we're magic squirrels. If you can hear us, we'll grant you wishes. <laughs> that one was good. Another good one. Um, they're, they're, they're getting out of the, uh, the store, which is, which by the way, the grocery store is called vomits, vomits, groceries, <laughs> yes. horrible, horrible name for a grocery store. They're coming out of vomits and this guy some kind of creature. I don't remember what he is, but he's an alien. He's like, I need you to kill me. And apparently if, if, if his people get killed by a hero, they ascend to heaven and live a perfect (laughs) life. And so, you know, Rick is like, I'm honored. You think of me as a hero. I'll kill you. And they're like, Hey, you want to go out and have a last meal or whatever? And he's like, yeah, that's fine. So they go out to like Shoney's or something and they're eating. And then Rick goes to the bathroom. He's like, let me go to the bathroom before I kill you. And Morty's like, God, it's kind of really, it's really cool that you guys like, like, no, there's an afterlife. That's kind of great. He's like, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, here on earth, we don't really, we don't really have any proof that there's an afterlife. We, it's just kind of no, nobody really knows. And the alien's like, proof? What do you mean proof? And, and Morty's like, well, uh, you know, it just, uh, um, and the guy's like, 
what? No, it's been a lie. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. So then he runs away. We don't have proof. Yeah. So he runs away and ends up getting hit by a car and killed. And as soon as he's hit by a car and killed, you see these demons. They ascend from, from hell. They're from and, Ghost. Yeah, yeah, it is the same. It's the same shadow creatures from Ghost, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> it they, is. And they pull him down into their underworld. <laughs> and then more, so number one, the guy gave up a chance to live in eternity in paradise. And he ended up dying because he lost faith. But then Morty has a great point because he's like, he said there was no evidence. That's really fucking concrete evidence there. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, if you've seen demons take somebody's soul down into hell, um, yeah, you, you got pretty good evidence that it's it's real. Uh, another good one I really liked, I guess, uh, just really quickly was Bevo. You remember the Bevo one? They're in a, they're in a, they're on a planet that gets to 300 (laughs) degrees below zero at night. And so they go, Oh yes. Yes. They got a Tauntaun. Their, their good friend Bevo, rest in peace, Bevo. Bevo is my new Harambe. So they have to Tauntaun him the way they did on, um, Empire Strikes Back in Star Wars, where they got to gut him open and get inside him. But then they, they sit inside him and they're waiting for it and they're waiting for it. And they figure out. Rick's like in five, four, (laughs) three. Dude. <laughs> and they're on the wrong planet, <clears throat> so they just slaughtered yep. Bebo for nothing. Um, there was a Contact one, which I, I don't know if it's because I just don't care for the movie Contact, but I didn't really care for that, um, where they make a woman, uh, they, they get put in this collector's thing, and they, they get a hold of the gal and make her build a thing, and then they get there and switch it. Uh, that one wasn't wasn't really... Great. Um, I found that yeah. I found the granite one was pretty funny, just because you don't yes. see Rick being that stupid every now and then. Right. He's like, uh, <laughs> Rick says, "Well, ah, really teaches him Morty not to take things for granite." <laughs> Morty's like, "What? <laughs> yeah, you know, you just can't take life for granite." <laughs> Morty's like, and it's a callback to an earlier memory too, because there there the was stone people? people or boulder people. Yeah, yeah, in in the uh, contact episode, in the contact episode, mm-hmm. and Morty's like, "Are you saying take things for granite?" And he's like, "Yeah, take <laughs> things for granite. It's granted with a D." Oh my God, Rick, have you been saying granite all this time? What are you, one of the one of the boulder people? <laughs> <laughs> and that's something that Rick just makes him. Well, I, I guess we didn't even ex- ex- explain the main story of this. <laughs> right, so people didn't. It starts. It, it Go starts ahead. out and Rick and Morty are escaping from their usual adventure and Morty's got the tortoise and Rick tells him not to look the tortoise in the eye. Otherwise you gain all the knowledge of the universe. And of course, Morty looks the tortoise in the eye. And what does the tortoise gains say? all the knowledge? Oh God. Um, He's, he says something that's in, in reverse. And if you, yes, it through, is in reverse. And if you reverse the audio, he's saying, I am a beetle. Paul is dead. Yeah. <laughs> Which is to get on the old, uh, you know, the old uh, conspiracy that that Paul died and was replaced with a, a lookalike, and in one of the Beatles albums, if you play a part in reverse, it says that Paul is dead. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny that the turtle just says that I'm a Beatle. Paul is dead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> and so he has a complete meltdown, and they go back to the house, and Rick's like, "Well, we could sit and watch an episode of." Interdimensional Cable. Are we going to do Interdimensional Cable 3? And he says no. And so they go to the room where they wipe memories. 
for Morty's sake. And there's all these different colored vials. There's blue ones. There's red ones. There's, what, yellow ones that we never even got into? Yellow and green, both, that we never got to see what yeah. those are. There's, there's red, blue, purple, and then there's yellow and green that we didn't get to see. And as the episode progresses, you kind of gather that each one actually represents a different type of memory that was erased. Some memories that Morty wanted to forget. Some memories that Rick wanted Morty to forget. Like the granite one. <laughs> yep. And then the other one is um, when his family hurt him. Ones yeah. That his fa- one that his, families wanted him, his family members wanted him to forget. So like Beth and Summer or something like that. Um, yeah. Um, and so I, I didn't think about it till literally just now that we were talking about this. If if Morty got to know everything by looking into the turtle's eyes, wouldn't he have known about all of Morty's mind blowers? Right. Huh. We could have skipped the episode and got on with Interventional Cable 3. <laughs> <laughs> so then at the end, they end up uh, erasing each other's memories. Summer has to go through, and there's written description on how to give them back. So you know this has happened before. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, a- they, they've completely forgot who they are. They're ripping through the memories, trying to figure out what it all means. Morty probably hates Rick more by the end oh, yeah. than he ever has before. But then he gets it wiped again, so it doesn't matter. Right. Gets it wiped and then rebooted. It gets rebooted. She's like, Summer comes in and asks, is this is this a Code 3? And Rick's like, who are you? <laughs> oh, I guess it's a Code 4. <laughs> so they, she pulls out this card that tells her what to do, and it's like, take the yellow one, shoot Rick. Take the blue one, shoot Morty. Bring them upstairs, turn on interdimensional cable, and the very last thing it says is leave room immediately. Which I didn't catch this until my second time watching it. Um, I, I, I didn't get what like what that meant or, or if there was any point to it. But then the second time I watched, or maybe the third time I watched it, they're sitting in there and they're watching interdimensional cable <clears throat> and then they just keep shitting on, on uh, Summer. Like, God, Summer, what a bitch. Jeez, Summer, why don't you... We're trying to watch Interdimensional Cable, and you're just... God, Summer, you always screw everything up. And it's like, you just know Rick knew he was going to be a huge dick to Summer. So in the card, he told her to leave room immediately so that she didn't sit there and get berated by him. (laughs) So then she finally gets up and leaves, because she was going to sit down and watch it with them, and then they just berate her. And that's another rare moment. It's Rick kind of showing that he cares about his family. Yeah, right? And then there, there's another little, uh, another little shot that um, I think you got You got to guess it was put in there by, by. I don't know if the maybe the writers did it themselves or, or if Harmon and uh, um, Royland wrote it. Obviously, they had to have spoke it, so they knew it was there. But Summer says, "Geez, no wonder you guys get never get it, or no wonder you guys are always behind schedule because you're always fighting so much and can't get along." And that's basically a complete nod, uh, apparently, you know, one of the biggest the rumors that were going around that season three was taking so long is because Royland and Harmon were just fighting nonstop and, and, and couldn't get anything done. So I thought that was kind of a fun little, you know, I could see them doing that, just putting it out there like, eh, right. you know, what? we have our problems just like any relationship, but we're working through them and we're getting stuff done. You know, that, actually, that kind of reminded me of a similar thing when we were at the um, 
Galactic Get Down and Dead Larry and Joe was up there talking about, you know, maybe if I just uh, relax and stop bitching so much, we'd get a little bit more taken care of. It kind of reminded me of that, just where it's just kind of like, yeah, you know what, we're we're having problems, but we just take care of it and we move on and we're going to give you great quality stuff. Right. So shut up. Because it's, it's time proven it, together they can accomplish lots. Yeah. I never knew of really either Dan Harmon or Justin Roiland, and I know you're mad at me for that because I don't watch a lot of the cartoons he's voiced in. But if it wasn't for Rick and Morty, I wouldn't know about either of them. I don't watch Community, and I don't watch Adventure Time. No, I think I think this I think these two are are I think they found the perfect uh, marriage for each other. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I actually don't really know much that uh, <clears throat> Royland or Harmon did because I don't think Royland. I don't think Royland had anything to do with Adventure Time. To be honest, I know he's friends with the Gravity Falls creator, but I don't. He think He played really Lemongrab. Oh, oh yeah, he does do the voice of Lemongrab. You're right, he does. I don't know how much. Um, I don't even watch the show, and I know that. I yeah, you're right, and I did know it, but I don't know how much like creative <laughs> input he had on it at all or not. But right, I didn't know him right. as a household name. I didn't know Lemon Grab's name, you know, like who voiced him. Not right. like I did like John DiMaggio is is uh is um uh, Jake. You know, obviously I know that. Yeah, I wish we had more time to go on Rick and Morty, but that's kind of it in a nutshell. There's a lot more I could talk about, especially of um, uh, the ABCs of Beth. Oh, which, by the way, <clears throat> anybody out there who hasn't seen it, that's a take on the the title of the movie ABCs of Death. Go out and check it out. It's a it's an anthology horror movie, um, ironically. Anthology again. But, uh, yeah, it's just one of those cheap anthology horror movies. Some are pretty good. Some are really shitty. But just a whole bunch of different little horror shorts in it. It's called ABCs of Death. It's similar to, like, the original uh, Tales from the Crypt. Um, there you go. You know, had They're the rebooting anthology. that, too. Uh, Trick or Treat is another one that's kind of a good anthology horror um, movie. There's been a ton of anthology horror movies. They're good. They're good. Because sometimes horror is better in shorter formats. Um, Yeah, mm-hmm. they are rebooting Tales from the Crypt, the, uh, <clears throat> the series, right? Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> it looks like it's going to be good, too. I hope it, it is. should be good. It better be good. I don't think it could be bad. I, I always I'm liked hoping, it more than Twilight Zone. I'm hoping that we actually get some some uh, tales from Tales from the Crypt. It's like the original Tales from the Crypt series, I think, only had like two episodes that were from the Tales from the Crypt comics. And most of them were yeah. like from a bunch of other comics. But yeah, I always loved the original Tales from the Crypt. That's another one. Some were hit or miss. Some weren't that good, but some were great. Um, I watched the host them. sold it for me as a kid. Right? As a I, kid, the host. Yeah, sold. I was like twelve. I was 13, terrified 14. of it, but I had to watch it. So as a kid, it's so much better too than than when you go back and watch it. But when you go back and watch it, it's good. Right. Well, nowadays horror it doesn't hit you nearly like it did. I watched the new It, and I was like, it was a good movie. I laughed quite a few times. I don't think we did. We get it to wasn't, talk about that at all. You and I. I mean, no, we I'm didn't. Like on this show. Oh, yeah. We talked about it because you said you've seen it, I think, the next day. And I yep. had to call you and talk to you about it. 
Maybe we'll talk about that next week, but I definitely want to talk about Gotham next week, too, since we didn't get around to that, yes. and that is my favorite show on television. And I'll make sure to catch the second episode, so we'll have two episodes to talk about. Yes. I'm so happy it airs on Thursdays now, so when I get home from work on Fridays and I'm done with my week, Gotham is my treat. Oh, there you go. It's perfect. Perfect. Magnifique. <laughs> well, folks, we Thank love you. Thank you, guys. We got to get going. Yeah, thank you for joining us. I actually thank survived you. the whole... Thank you. I, I sat here for the whole damn show. It's been a couple few weeks since I've been able to do that. Yeah, so. you have not pissed. I'm very surprised. I'm sure you Fuck have to go down. I, I hadn't shit. That's what I was happy about. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's what I was happy about. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, again, thank you for your time. Um, you know, we like doing these Check episodes. out the Patreon. Hey, now you can find us on GoFundMe as well. Correct. You just have to look. Help us get higher end computers. Help us get the things we need to give you guys the clearest, most precise, and beautiful streams we can give you. Yeah, because we're doing it for you. All you got to do is look for uh, Cloud Style Broadcasting on GoFundMe. It's the same, uh, same, same thing you look for. Anything else? You know, share share our message. Cloud Style on Patreon. B6 Podcast on YouTube. And don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And click that little bell and join our notification squad. Yes. And if you haven't already subscribed on Spreaker, make sure to subscribe on Spreaker. Feel free to download. Get informed every time we drop a new episode. Yes. <laughs> and I'm even starting to think about taking the YouTube in a whole nother direction. I mean, we'll continue to do the weekly live stream video, give you guys that extra dimension to the show. But I definitely want to, like, come on with some spot news throughout the week. You know, shit we're going to forget before the podcast rolls around, but we need to get it out to the people now. Right, when big, when big news with, stories drop. And with <clears throat> what culture falling to pieces, now's our chance! Strike while the iron's hot. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the King Rest Ross. In peace, what culture pro wrestling? I'll be King Ross. I'm kidding. I'm probably speaking far too soon. No way. <laughs> or are we going to be the two Adams? I'm Blumpy. Then I, then I'm I'd definitely Blumpy. Then I'd be Panini. Uh, um, Pachiti? Pachiti. God, I couldn't even think of his name for a second. I'd be Pachiti. Panini. I'm going to be a Panini. That's what I almost said was Panini. Adam Panini, the sandwich man. <laughs> All right. Anyways, Gosh. we love you folks. You know we love you. It's been fun. It's been great. It's been real. I like talking about more than just wrestling, especially since I've been behind on my Fantastic Fables because I felt like shit. Oh, yeah. Hopefully I can get you to start watching the gong show now, too. I watched the Bong Show already. There you go. Fuck yeah. I definitely want to do an episode sometime, probably on 420, or around 420, where we can talk about our favorite stoner films. That'd be good. Because, they're, yeah. They're they're out there, man. There's a plethora of them. Plethora. Yes. Alright, so with that, I'm going to say goodbye. I am Fat Mac. And I'm Pasty White. I love you like a little sick puppy. Beastix Podcast.
is gone.